Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast, episode number six. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. Uh, since sitting down and, and doing these conversations, I've had the opportunity to, to speak with, with quite a, I mean, you know, a nice handful of people from the film industry so far. Um, this time, sitting down with, uh, with a makeup artist. I am looking forward to venturing out and, and talking with, with a wide variety of people from film. And this week, we're talking makeup, so buckle up. So I do want to remind you that these podcasts are also available in video form on YouTube. You just have to search the Eddie Conversation podcast. If you do want to watch the conversation versus just listen, remember to subscribe, leave a like, all that kind of stuff, rate the podcast. I heard that helps. And without further ado, just jumping right in, episode 6 featuring Shannon Marie Trigger. Okay, so <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining me for a part 2. So this, uh, this is a this is a part 2. You are well, it's technically part 1. Right. Um but we did this is kind of like a a, re, a rerun <laughs> for ourselves. Um yes. for those listening, we have had the conversations prior and uh for reasons, we're doing it again. So um, here we are. You are Shannon Trigger. Yes. And uh, you are a makeup artist mm -hmm. in film primarily. Yes. Did you want to add anything onto that? <laughs> no, I think that's good. Okay. A person, human. <laughs> yeah. So we, the things that we wanted to talk about on, on this episode revolve around the film industry revolve around freelance life, the freelance lifestyle, and um, what we're going to talk about, like the, the, the transitioning into the field, what it's like working in, in the environment in Los Angeles, and, yeah. uh, and the beginnings of, of all of that. So um, Great. where do you want to start? Yeah, you want, I mean, you want to kick us off? With what? With talking about... Um, what you do, describing your job a little bit. Okay, sure. And actually, before we do jump into it, I do want to clarify yeah. for those not watching, uh, we do have... Uh, <laughs> little, snacks. <laughs> we do have snacks. Um, so if you do hear any... Chomping. Chomping. We have grapes as well as PB&J. Yeah. Raspberry um, jelly. Raspberry jelly. <laughs> Raspberry jelly. Yes. Uh, Non-crunchy. Right. Also creamy peanut butter. Right. Because the store was out. <laughs> or it would have been. <laughs> so this is this is what we are working with today. Yes, exactly. Okay, but yes, all right. Because I haven't really talked about it much on my podcast yet okay. about like what I do specifically. Like I mentioned, I'm a script supervisor. I don't really give people much context if you don't know what it is. You're just like, oh, sweet, like cool. Right. Yeah. Um, so I primarily freelance in Los Angeles as a script supervisor. I am in charge of managing the continuity of film. Um, so that entails, I always have a hard time explaining it because it's such a, such a lengthy, broad position. But <clears throat> for the, the basics are, I sit next to the director on the day and I watch the monitor and I'm watching for a ton of stuff. So I'm just like, one, are the actors saying their lines? Two, we're shooting in multiple angles. So the last angle we shot is the actor moving in a similar way where it'll it'll cut. Like, is are the movements the same? So it's edit 
edited, editable, <laughs> editable. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough word to say. So, managing like movement continuity, managing emotional comp- continuity, watching for the dialogue, uh, and then I am the, the kind of the backup for all the other departments too. So I, I kind of have an eye on. The, the production design, what the set looks like, and see if anything's moved, kind of make sure all the props are there from previous scenes or stuff that needs to be there for later stuff. And then, of course, makeup. I try to, I, I try my best. That's something I'm working on for sure is like makeup continuity, but that's a, that's a tougher one for me. But that's kind of what I do. And then um, my other explanation that you liked last time we talked was uh, I am the bridge between the director and the editor. So I'm also taking notes the entire time on what the setups look like. I'm managing what the person on the slate, like what the slate says. And uh, my notes are kind of based on how the director feels about the take on the day. And then the editor will use those as reference when they're editing the film. So, and then the editor will talk with the director later on. Sometimes the director's forgotten like what they thought about stuff or what happened. So my notes will help kind of smooth out that process later on and, and help everybody. So yeah, I think sometimes what people don't realize is that when you're filming, you don't film the movies in order, start to finish. Mm -hmm. So for example, I just filmed the movie um, and we had, it was about a high school. And so all the scenes that were taking that took place in the high school, we filmed at the high mm-hmm. school, and then we moved to a different location. So that means that throughout the day, you could be jumping from different days of the story. So some films, yeah. you know, just happen where it takes uh, takes place across two days. So it's pretty mm-hmm. easy with at least continuity for hair and makeup because not a lot. I mean, a lot can happen in two days, but <laughs> for most of the time, it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. But for other movies where it's taking place, you know. 15, 18 a month or even longer, then that's when continuity and script supervisors really come in handy because we may be shooting day four, but then the next day is the next scene that we're filming is day seven. Mm -hmm. So needing to make sure that the outfits, the wardrobe, the hair, everything matches that day so that when you're watching the movie, it's all seamless. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what to say more, but like... I feel like uh, being a script supervisor is hard. Yeah, what makes a good script supervisor? <laughs> I don't know. I, okay, look, I don't. It's what makes me good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I feel like to be a script supervisor is similar to what I look for in what makes a good director in ways where a script supervisor needs to know what everybody's up to and what everybody's bringing to the table creatively and how it's all going to mesh together. So it helps. And then, okay, having the ability to edit is super helpful. So having the edit background, otherwise you don't even know what you're looking for, how it's going to cut if you've never cut anything yourself before. So I don't know how many script supervisors go through that process of learning the editing process, but I've edited all my own stuff for like, many years so I'm just it's kind of second nature when I watch stuff to think about the edit so that helps um 
and then and then just open communication and and being being assertive with yourself on set because people don't include you in many conversations so seeking out those conversations and and catching up with people i feel makes a makes a good script supervisor and i get i mean i i feel like i get along with with most people on set when because people enjoy getting checked in and check getting checked in on like i'll talk with makeup about like hey what are we looking for here or they'll be looking at the monitor and i'll just check in with them like do you like what you're seeing and what's like what are you looking for and then getting their insight helps me do my job better too so that's my answer for that that's great (laughs) that was a great answer yeah I think I mean for sure script supervisors have backed up makeup (laughs) you know sometimes when you think that it's one scene or or, you know you shot it uh, two weeks prior and Mm -hmm. then you're like wait what did that look like generally we're pretty good at taking our own continuity notes and pictures we have some lawn stuff going on. We do. It's all good. Just a little lull. <laughs> I think um, going back to what you were saying about it's cool when script supervisors also know how to edit. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a really big difference when people working in film have a good mm-hmm. understanding and respect for other jobs that are happening around them. Because unlike most careers where you're just responsible for your own stuff. Film is such a collaborative effort and it enhances your job and your performance when you know what other people are doing and how they can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one thing I was going to say too, one more thing about me. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was curious to get the, get your answer on a, on a similar question, but when I'm script supervising, you kind of mentioned it. Well, I don't know. Okay. So film sets are very crazy. Yes. There's a lot going on. Communication. Everybody's trying their best to communicate. And sometimes things can get pretty hectic. So what I pride myself on being able to do and what I try really hard to do is being that calm in the storm. Like, because I, I do it primarily for myself, my own sanity, but then I feel like it does add this additional benefit to the people around me too, where it's like, Eddie is not freaking out. I'm going to go hang out with him because that energy is better and chiller than, than being surrounded by somebody who's stressed out, like the AD trying to figure something out. It's mostly for the director. When the director comes to Video Village to watch stuff and I'm sitting there with them, I don't want to add any stress onto them. So... I feel like my experience as an editor, kind of what you were saying, helps me hyper-focus on what's important and helps keep me calm and not stressing about all the things I could be stressing about and I really know where to put my energy and that kind of that kind of chillness and calmness really. I try to help spread that out and be like, no, we got this. Like, that's not really important. Let's not worry about that. Like, I, I have those internal dialogues and then they come in handy a lot absolutely yeah I think that was one thing that surprised me about being a makeup artist especially working in film is it's so much about the energy that you put out there Mm -hmm. um especially like you were talking about not wanting to add to the director's stress it's similar with makeup artists and, and an actor um in the sense of if they're getting prepared for a serious scene or where they're you know crying in a scene or something big is happening you don't want to be blasting Backstreet Boys and having a dance party, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's kind of like 
it's just trying to maintain um, a calmness, you know. And then there are definitely times, you know, that we are dancing to Backstreet Boys sure. <laughs> in the trailer and like energy is up and we're having a great time. But then it's also knowing when to shut it off and be there to support the actor sometimes without even saying a word. Mm -hmm. But just in knowing that you have their back and them yeah. knowing that, you know, yeah. you're there for them. So let's talk about you as a makeup artist mm -hmm. and being on set. So you asked me what makes a good script supervisor. I'm curious to hear your perspective on what makes good makeup artist. Yeah. <clears throat> in film, specifically narrative or commercial. I don't know. Whatever. Let's stick with narrative because that's what I know. Yeah. I know um, a few things. I mean, a lot of it is personality. Um, getting hired back and <laughs> <laughs> it is but I feel like it's that way with a lot of different film crews you want to work you spend I mean an average day is 12 hours mm -hmm. that's like it's crazy it's crazy it's a lot of time I mean sometimes it's even a lot more and so you want to be working with people that have good energy that are want to be there that are excited about what they're doing and they're good at their job and so I do think there is a really important part of the job is being cool <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's being able to be calm and not stress out like crazy and because there are stressful moments and I mean I'm not perfect like I do stress out but it's like what do you do with that like how fast can you get over it are you going to hold a grudge are you going to be upset um for a long time because we're spending so much time with each other you have to maintain a level of professionalism um and just calmness and a desire to be there. No one wants to work with someone who doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. Someone who just sits and complains all the time, who wants to work with someone like that? Right. I, I agree. Yeah. I've worked with those people before, and it mm -hmm. confuses me as to why they're there in the first place and yeah. what their dreams are and what they're up to. But, all right, so you talk about personality yeah. and vibing with everybody right. on set. It's important. It is. What about the... Artistic the, yeah, skills. what about the the the, ta the, the, the actual task of yeah. doing makeup and, and being on set in the environment? Like For sure. Those kind of things that you... Yeah, I think one thing that is really similar with script supervisors and makeup artistry is that we're constantly behind mm -hmm. the monitor. So basically the cameras are set up. We're seeing what the cameras see. Um, one really important aspect is attention to detail. And that's something that your eye will you'll train your eye to do as mm -hmm. time moves on. For sure, I mean, things that wouldn't have jumped out at me eight years ago are like, just jump <laughs> right now yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the experience and the time. And you'll start to pick up and notice certain things. So even like, I remember when I was first getting started and I would do these like test photo shoots, which I still do test photo shoots, but I would test and I would be so excited because I was looking at one specific thing in the photo and that was my makeup. Mm -hmm. And then I would show my mom, <laughs> who is an artist and just has so much more experience than I did at the time. And I mean, she still has more experience <laughs> I like, than I do now. <laughs> now, she, now she doesn't. <laughs> no, she does, but she does, but her makeup artist eyes, she, she doesn't do it's, makeup. It's different. It's yeah. different. So I remember going to her and being like, look at this photo. And then her being like, looks great. But like, look at all of these things that could enhance mm -hmm. the photo. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand um, until the more that I, longer that I did it. 
And then I started picking up and noticing these things that just make something better. So it's similar when you're looking at the monitor, you're looking at the frame, you need to be able to look at a face and see what you can do to make, to enhance it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about the person's features, it's also about the lighting, you know, because lighting changes a lot. So the, the person could be in the same makeup for a nighttime, a daytime, mm -hmm. uh, crazy color filters, and the makeup needs to look cohesive, it needs to look like it didn't change. Mm -hmm. So it's also being able to really tune your eye to pick up on little things um, and look at an overall picture and be like, oh, okay, great. Uh, flyaways on the left side, her brow needs to be uh, bounced up, her lip liner needs a little bit more strength. Um, because of the light, the way that's that set up, it looks like her eyeshadow is a lot heavier on this side. I need to blend out that edge. It's like all of these little things that when you're looking at a monitor, you're not just looking at it to like look like you're doing your job. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the monitor to make your job easier, to make you better, to make the overall film better. So attention to detail is really key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. <laughs> You're like, ah. No, no, no. It's, uh, I... Did you think about that for makeup artistry? <laughs> Did I think about what? About that attention to detail for makeup artistry? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Um, I was thinking about... The, a set I just came off of mm -hmm. in terms of where I felt kind of bad because oh, we're it's been hot lately in the, so in the LA area it's we are mid-October and it is like hundreds because we're at where we were shooting yeah we were dealing with 100 degree temperatures mm. luckily we were inside but of course for sound you turn fans off and AC like all that kind of stuff goes off just for the for the art and, right um, <laughs> the sacrifice for the art and uh, something that we were we were kind of fighting was the actors just sweating mm. profusely the whole time <laughs> in the tight spaces, under the lights, indoors, 100 degree weather. And it's just like mid take, the actor, you just see sweat dripping down the mm. side of a, an actor. You can't, there's so much, only so much you can do. And it's hard when that's really all you're fighting is like, all right, get in there, wipe them down. All right, come on, come on out. And I'm like, well, it's not even, it's almost not even doing makeup anymore. It's just like, um, yes, so much of the job are things that you wouldn't even think of. It's things that are like telling actors when they have nose hairs, when they have to trim them out, it's wiping eye boogers from mm -hmm. their eyes. It's, um, you know, helping buff off dry skin from their lips. It's like, there's so much to the job besides makeup because you're maintaining something for 12 hours. So when elements happen like sweat and things like that, all you can do is the best that you can do. But it is frustrating when those elements are, you know, fighting against you. It's like when you're shooting outside and um, wind and the hair is going crazy. I mean, <laughs> you can't just like make it right. stay. Part of it has to be just like a story real element but it's frustrating when the actors are not supposed to be sweaty and they are because of the elements yeah um, i mean that's where my job comes in too in a way where it's like all right it's happening but will it cut right <laughs> will it cut can it cut if the elements change from day to day where you're doing one part of a scene one day and the other part of the scene the next day and one day they're sweating yesterday they weren't and one day it's windy the other day it wasn't then it's like well now it gets tricky Totally. But I did want to ask. Yeah. Um, 
when you are doing makeup mm-hmm. in non non union world, right? How often are you also doing hair mm. with the makeup, and how what is what is what is that like? Um, so it's kind of tricky. Basically, to get in the union, which is what I aspire mm-hmm. to be in, mm-hmm. um, we they're separate unions, so. Hair does not touch makeup. Makeup does not touch hair. In the union. In the union. They mm-hmm. never touch. But a lot of non-union work, they um, make it where you need both because they don't have the budget to hire two separate people for two different departments. Um, so oftentimes I will get thrown into doing hair, which is, I have no formal training on. I've taken a couple workshops and learned a little bit on the way, but I'm definitely not. um, It's not your focus. It's not my focus. It's not what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not something that I'm insanely confident in. So Um, So when they do ask you to do hair. Yeah. Is it, I don't know. I don't know what like just the basics are, but like if they... I don't know how often they're expecting you to be an equivalent to just a solo hair person on something like an extravagant kind of look, or if it's mostly just like, all right, this is basic hair stuff we just need. Like, I don't know what the asks are Yeah, when that's the case. I mean, it's, it's hard to speak to because I'm not a licensed cosmetologist or hairstylist, nor do I claim to be. And But everyone kind of has their own journey to get to where they want to get. So some people... Mm-hmm end up going to hair school and then decide that they want to only do makeup. So some people, some makeup artists do have that formal hair training. Mm -hmm. So even like basic hair, um, basic hair can be done better by someone who is trained to do it better. So usually what I'll say is I can do like light, basic, camera ready, dry hair styling. Um, And then if, if the job is more complicated, then... All, I mean, I always generally try to bring on a hairstylist whenever I get the chance to, just because it looks so much better when mm-hmm. there is someone there that knows what they're doing. But if I need to tame a flyaway, um, yeah. you know, basically take what they come with to set and make it enhance it for camera or just like um, kick it up a notch, then generally I can do that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because I, I, don't, I don't love doing it, but I have to do it to get yeah. where I want to go. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I try to keep, I almost keep like a mental tally on what I'm calling notes out for when I'm yeah. working at the monitor, and it's not for, like I said, I'm trying to work better on the on the makeup and hair stuff. Oh my gosh, hair continuity is brutal. So luckily, the thing I just came off with was, was more military, so everybody had these like streamlined haircuts and like buzzed, or the women had their hair really tight, tight back. Beautiful, we love So I'm it. like, that's easy. Yes. Um, at one point, I did point out some flyaways like her hair was kind of like just coming out like that yeah and I'm like sweet I called something out for her Yay. for hair and makeup right um, uh, but it was like once I'm like all right cool like I'm trying to train myself for that so yeah it's it's really tough I mean especially because I mean people are so people what you notice working in film in the hair makeup wardrobe department is you notice how fidgety some people are with certain things mm. so Sometimes people just do it without even realizing it. They'll like touch their face, they'll like rub their nose, and mm-hmm. then you go back in to do a touch up, and they're like, <laughs> and 
And it, sometimes they do it when you're not even watching. I remember there was this one show that I did, and and the woman always had a red nose, and I like couldn't figure it out until like the second day when I noticed that she's constantly touching her nose. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's why the makeup is gone. But sometimes you'll go in, set the hair, and then as soon as you leave, the actress will just you know flip their oh, hair. Right, they'll right, move right. it, and then you're like, ah, like I just had it. But sometimes they'll do it in the scene without even noticing it. And then you're filming the second half of the scene, and you have to make sure, like, oh, did she push her hair back at the exact same time? Exactly. The, and, like, of course, tug. the hair tug, which actors, when they have more experience, are, are more aware of it, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. But especially in the beginning, because um, you just you just automatically do it. You know, you just don't, you don't you even just, think about it. You just do it. things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think it's similar to the sweat the elements, when people fidget with things, learning how to work with people's quirks and <laughs> help them help you in the best way possible is really key. It's like, if they're sweating profusely, then you need to have a fan, you need to have an optimistic outlook, offer them water, make sure that they're comfortable, things that go above and beyond just doing makeup. There's so much more to the job. And so it's just those little things that add up that make you better but also if you know that the actress is always going to push her hair back in the scene put it behind her ears because she's going to do it anyway Mm -hmm. you know so just commit to that like figuring out ways you can work with people without maybe calling them out and being like okay look girl every time I leave you put your hair behind your ear you know what I mean it's just being like are you more comfortable with your hair behind your ear and they're like oh yeah yeah, sorry you're like I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. I was doing it so I'm like okay cool let's just put it behind your ear for the scene and it doesn't always work like that but it is that collaborative spirit um, that I think makes you a stronger makeup artist is because it, it's not about you. It's it's just not about you. It's, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one other little comment I was going to make based on what you were just saying was um, and something I hadn't really thought about. I probably thought about it before, but it was uh, <laughs> it was a fact that I think makeup was getting a, like I've had makeup get upset with particularly guys because guys aren't used to wearing makeup Mm. so they're the ones who are almost kind of worse at touching their face and like rubbing (laughs) and smearing and Uh. (laughs) because especially (laughs) so i just Mm -hmm. it's something i wouldn't think about i was like oh well it's they're actors they they wear makeup for set but it's the only it's the only time they wear makeup so it's uh, right so it's another different thing to to balance out but Mm mm-hmm How's the PB&J? So good. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that people don't think about, because I think it's it's so often for people to, like, point out errors and things when they're watching movies, you know, especially people who have an eye. But even some people who don't have an eye, they're like, oh, the hair wasn't like that before. But I miss, that. I miss that stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, you're thinking about so many things. Sometimes it's just the elements. But also, when you're filming, at least in low-budget, non-union world, we don't always have like three cameras that are shooting the exact same mm-hmm. scene at the exact same time. So sometimes we'll basically film the establishing shot with one camera and then we'll film coverage, right? So if we were filming this and we had more cameras, <laughs> then we had them just set up and that was just natural. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, okay, great, we're going to set up here and then we're going to do the exact same thing, but we're going to face Eddie, we're going to do the exact same thing. And, and But there's time because after you film the establishing, then the lights, the camera, the setup, everything has to move. So there's a point of time where the actor or mm-hmm. actress is fidgeting and moving around. So taking those continuity pictures to be like, okay, wait, was the hair like here or there? 
um, in front of the body, behind the body, behind the ear? Um, was the makeup at the, the lip at the same intensity? Because time passes, even though it doesn't look like in the final cut that it does. You're saying time passes in the scene or in the real world? In the real world. Okay, yeah, coffee. In the coffee real I'm world. All, I'm, stuck in, I'm stuck in set lingo right now. I'm like, right. copy that. Yeah, because when you're watching the film, it's just cutting to coverage of the same scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're filming it, you're really filming it three different times. I really, I really enjoy the challenge of the of the single camera sets. Ooh, I love it. Do I mean, you? That's my job. That makes. It's my job to make yeah. sure it matches and all this stuff. And when we do three cameras, it's I don't know. It's just not as fun. Interesting. Well, and plus in the non-union indie world, yeah. it's just a different kind of hassle with three cameras where you don't really have enough lighting to light it. It looks crappy, <laughs> and then I'm and then I'm not getting really paid to. I'm not paid for like the cam. You get camera bumps as ideally. The more cameras, the more screens I have to monitor at a single time, the more I get paid. Interesting. In the union world. Okay. So I'm talking union. Right. You get paid more the more cameras they have on set. Huh. I didn't realize. Because that. you're doing more work. No, that makes sense. <laughs> I, they should do that for makeup too. <laughs> <laughs> the more cameras. Um, so in non-union, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're doing three cameras. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, it's more work for me. Yeah. I have to look at more, make sure. And I can't, I don't, I can't watch them all at the same time. So No, it's so tough. It's a difficult thing. But. It's also hard, too, for, for makeup when there are multiple cameras because then your last looks, your final touches before they film, mm-hmm. you have to look at so many more things and, and mm. if it's only you on, on non-union low budget sometimes it is mm-hmm. then you have to do final touches on too many on multiple people <laughs> right right <laughs> depending right. on you know who's in the shot yeah the scene. so let's let's go from that and yeah let's go back in time a little bit right <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess let's let's do our let's do a little little bit of summaries of the beginnings um you have you mentioned before, uh, prior to us doing any recording, that you get asked a lot on like how to break in, how how to get your start as a makeup artist. So I don't know if you want to speak on any advice you have there, or talking about what your start looked like and what your mindset was, and seeing seeing what we can seeing seeing what comes out of that, yeah. Yeah, I think what people don't realize when they first start their journey um, of film. So actually, let me let me stop yeah, you there. Tell me. So, from your perspective, okay. I'm, what? Why do most people want to do makeup in the first place? Yeah. Like, let's talk. Why, why do you? And then why do others? Like, what attracts people to to that field? I'm curious. Oh. Because it's fun. <laughs> it's the best job. Yeah. I love it. I think initially people are gravitate towards film because they picture that it's very glamorous. Mm. They imagine working with celebrities. Mm. They imagine um, just the whole set life being very fun and glamorous. And, like, you get to go to cool places and do cool things and, like, meet cool people and... Mm. Some of those elements are true. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that working because you have the you have the hands on literally with actors. Yeah. And actors are cool. 
Right. <laughs> right. They are cool. Right. In quotes. Um, so is that is that what is that what drew you in, or was it the? Um... I also think they're just in general. I mean, correct me if you if you think I'm wrong, but I feel like film in general is feels like this like unattainable. Like I mean, think about the Oscars, the the awards, mm-hmm. the pedestals that that filmmakers are put on. The um, I mean, I think a common thing that I hear a lot in film is just, you know, when people are doing it, it's like, well, we're not curing cancer. You know, we're making entertainment. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I feel like everyone in entertainment has heard that before. I'm just like, we're not, you know, but for some reason, actors and celebrities, just the whole environment, it it feels very glamorous. And I think people are gravitated towards that. Um, And then as far as makeup, I mean... Being a makeup artist is fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of not fun parts sure, to it. Sure. Let me speak yes. on your first part. Okay. Just, you talked about the unattainability of yes. the film. Of, of working in film? Is that kind of... Or just being yeah. involved in movies and... and... Yeah. I think um, what people don't realize when they're first jumping in... Let me know if this answers your question. Sure. Is how long it takes <laughs> to get there. <laughs> okay. Like... Or what, or what it even is. What it even is, or what the journey looks the, like for most people. I think that's the bigger people. thing is, yeah, is not knowing. Because, all right, the thing that I, I guess, bump up against a lot is when you're starting out in film. There are like when you mentioned the Oscars, people have this grandiose idea of what a movie looks like. Yes, so glamorous, and they don't think about all the experience of the people that made that movie and all the all the, the years of experience just built into that one movie alone. Mm-hmm. So when when they start out, let's say as a director or something, they put these expectations on themselves to be able to produce stuff like that and it's yeah. not happening. And to me, it's, it's, it's a process, it's a craft and you gain experience, you get better. And yeah. that's just how it goes. And, and some people... I don't don't realize that. Right. That was my thought. Totally. And I think it's kind of the same thing. It's like the the camera for an Oscar-winning movie could be the same camera that someone's using for a student film, but it's the person behind it and the years of experience that makes it great and the team that they work with. Mm -hmm. Behind it and around it. Yeah. It's all of those elements. And kind of jumping back to, like, personality and you want to work with people that you like. And so most of the time when you find your crew and you find your people and you've grown with them and made movies and movies and movies, I mean, some of the best collaborations have been with people who have worked together for years. Mm -hmm. And you can bet your butt (laughs) that the first film that they did together was not as strong as the most recent. For sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I guess... We can go back to makeup and, oh, okay. and your and your. Um, well, unless there's any other thoughts there, but that was kind of yeah, no. that was my base thought on. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I think I think the film industry does seem really glamorous, but the people who are successful in it, um, not saying I am, but I'm working towards it. <laughs> like the grind to get there is a hustle. It is a hustle. Because I, I haven't thought much about the glamour. Like, the glamour part... Isn't I, what 
gravitated you towards it? Either, either it was so early on and I realized, I don't know what, I, I don't well, know. Well, let's go back to your start though, because like how... My st- we're talking about you, but <laughs> just a quick pivot. <laughs> sure. Like, because like, what initially gravitated you towards film? Like, how did you get there? So that that's what I was trying to think about. Was yeah. was I initially? You like movies. Everyone likes movies. Everybody likes movies. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to be like Spider Man or something crazy like that. I'm like, oh, that'd be so much fun. Right. All the superhero stuff and yeah. kind of growing up, growing up with that first uh, Tobey Maguire Spider Man, uh, such a good it's one, classic, so classic. Um, so that's kind of what was my. I feel like that's most people's entry point into into film because you only see so much when you watch a movie. It's like, oh, there's a person on camera. You don't really know what's going on or what the process is around it or how it was made. It's just like, cool, that looks fun. Right. So that was that was my beginning, but I didn't really think about the celebrity status or anything. It was just more about the fun of being involved and and being able to bring others that same joy that I was getting or something something lame like that. <laughs> I think is this not the biggest question that you ask when people are like, "What celebrities have you worked with?" When people figure out that you're nobody, in film, that nobody are not ever in film. asked me that. Really, I but I don't know why I don't get asked that. But okay. I never get that question. Oh constantly because like you said makeup is more associated directly with an actor that's fair then hey i'm a script supervisor what actors have you worked with okay that makes sense yeah i feel like anyone who does who isn't in the film industry um that that finds out that i'm do makeup for it the question is always like oh who have you worked with like what cool stars (laughs) and i'm like no one. <laughs> <laughs> is it actually no one, or you just say no one? No, I mean. <laughs> you know, we are don't you have, asking we, me? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to. No, I mean, I think I'm. I like the idea of downplaying working with an actor. I'm like, they were on set with me, and yeah. I saw them for a day, but I never talked to them, or I said one thing to them. Right. Or, like, you know, it's kind of like the downplay of the celebrity is kind of okay. cool to me. But I mean, I'm not cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I want people to take away from this podcast. Oh, no, you are cool. <laughs> chill. Chill. No, but, like, there's just so much more to... There are more reasons of why I love working in film than working with talent that has a name. Nor am I high enough in my career where I've done makeup on... And also, everyone's definition of celebrity, in quotes, is completely different. So, like, one person... That you love. Yes. Someone will be like, who's that, you know? (laughs) You're like, it was the biggest day of my life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I feel like that's so common. And so, for me, I would rather work with an actor that's, like, so cool, down-to-earth, awesome, and maybe hasn't made their name yet, than someone who... Yeah. Who doesn't even interact with you when you're doing their makeup. You know, it's not as fun for me. And I get that people have jobs. I mean, there was the makeup that I was doing for an athlete, and um, she had her manager and her PR person, and I was literally just there doing makeup on her. She was mm-hmm. not excited to be in the makeup chair. It was just, like, checking a box off a list, and she was having conversations with other people during the entire process. And I still love the artistry of makeup, mm-hmm. but 
it, mm-hmm. it's not as enjoyable of an experience yeah, per yeah, se. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of one of those examples. Is it, it doesn't necessarily matter to me, maybe not to everyone, but it doesn't matter their celebrity the, status the to me. It matters if they're, yeah, their prestige. It, it matters if they're a cool person to be around because, frankly, we're spending a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want them to be cool. And, and I mean, maybe one day I'll work with a really <laughs> cool actor, but I work with really cool actors all the time that are just not A-level celebrity. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer our question? I don't know. <laughs> but I would, I, yeah, I don't know. Celebrity. I feel like that is the most common. Yeah, I never get it. First of like. But I have my answers ready. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've worked with two. Okay. Do you want to hear them? I mean, do you want to tell me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Am I going to even know? Well, one, one is kind of cool. Okay. Uh... I did a I was script supervisor on a commercial, and Hilary Duff was the talent on that one. And I'm like, oh sweet, it's a name that I like. I know that name, right? And I grew up with like, I don't, she's probably a couple years older than me. So like, Lizzie McGuire was coming out on Disney Channel as I was growing up and stuff. So I'm like, all right, sweet, I know who that is. So that was kind of cool. But that yeah. was, that was the experience that in the commercial world as a script supervisor. It's just not as fun <laughs> because my voice is like dampened heavily because there's so much on a commercial. My voice doesn't matter at all. We're not continuity is usually not a big thing. Dialogue is usually not a big thing. And we're not usually getting much coverage. And if I do see anything, my opinion is the least of the worries of the director because they've got agency over there. They've got client over there that actually matters on what they're saying because there's like 13 people watching another monitor further away from us that are signing off on what they just watched so me like being like hey uh, it's like no like i don't ma- it doesn't matter so that's I'm, a really good point talking about the differences between commercial and so, film so it's a lot more money as as everybody i'm sure knows more or, money, or shorter hours or could assume, but um, yeah, Hilary Duff was on one of those, and that one was kind of like a, a fun one. She got to play multiple characters and act with herself and, and that kind of stuff, but I did not have an opportunity to like go like run lines with her or like confirm or like check continuity. Like that's usually my excuse with, with an actor. It's like if I want to talk to them, I'll just go like ask them how they're doing or like, hey, how was that line? Or here's where, here's this little tweak the director just said, but I didn't have an excuse with her, so I was kind of bummed. <laughs> Next time, you'll just have to work with her again. Um, but no, the I guess the, the the I don't know. It's not a funny story, but uh-huh. we wrapped, uh-huh. and I did have an opportunity where I was I was waiting outside um, for something. Like I was I was wrapped, and I was had my backpack ready. Mm-hmm. I was like checking my phone, or I was waiting for like the the shuttle bus to take me back to the lot. And Hilary Duff walks out. And it was just like me and her. Like she walked out and <laughs> her eyes came up. And then I saw her and I was like, good work today. Good work today. <laughs> and then I did it in my like, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> and then she kind of just like laughed and like, said thanks. And, and uh, I was like, she talked to me. Oh, you don't talk to me. So that was my experience with it. That's amazing. 
Um, the other one uh, was a half day. I didn't even know he was going to be involved when I signed on. It was kind of like a last minute. I was covering for somebody on this short film that couldn't do it anymore or something like that. And it was David Schwimmer of Friends fame. Um, and he was cool. That was a cool one. Because tight space and everyone... I don't know, he was friends with the director. That's how he kind of came on board. It was probably as a favor of some kind. He was playing like a therapist in the scene. And uh, it was just kind of cool. Like nobody really paid him much attention, just kind of letting him do his thing. And he was like wandering set a little bit. And I was noticing like, nobody's talking to this guy at all. So I kind of, you know, I felt that out. And then... There was an issue where we didn't have, they're, they're called the contacts, like you wear your headphones uh, on set, so that way you can hear what the actors are saying when you're away at Video Village, and we didn't have contacts in the beginning of the day, so I had to be on set, like, <laughs> tucked away in this corner so I can, like, follow along on the script so I could hear what was happening. So David Schwimmer had his desk sitting on this side, and I was just, like, tucked behind the light. <laughs> don't mind me and I'm just like scrolling on my iPad as he's talking <laughs> and uh, we would cut and like everybody would leave the room and kind of like adjust stuff and do their thing and him and I are just kind of standing there and I'm like hey but we ended up talking about he was having kind of issues with some of the, the dialogue and some of the lines because when the writer was on set too he was kind of there lingering so him and I were kind of like talking about what the meaning of this line is and how he's, how to work it out and just kind of going through the process like a normal actor thing. And I'm like, sweet, this guy's chill and cool. Yeah. And nobody else is talking to him, so I'm happy to happy to be the one. And then, wow. Yeah, so that was kind of a fun one. But that was like half a day and, and moving on. But okay. those are my celebrity stories. I love everybody. it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because typically, I mean, is there ever a set where there – are multiple script supervisors? Um, like I script supervisors, I think, at and maybe in the higher echelon, commercial game okay. show. Yeah, game show. I I was a, a third. What? <laughs> there was script supervisor. Oh, well, I was like the like. I think there was three levels of script supervisor. Oh my gosh! Um, on this game show that I kind of came on as a bottom tier where I'm just kind of handing out copies of scripts. Wow. <laughs> but that one was really weird. That was my only game show That's experience. crazy. That's a whole different ball game. But in narrative, yeah. I know script supervisors, like in, in, in Facebook groups and stuff, will talk about how um, it would be nice. Like having an assistant would be helpful in some capacity, but I don't really understand how two people could be doing the same job. Oh. I mean, if anything, like keeping track of your notes, like doing some of your paperwork stuff. But I, I feel know, like that would be thing. so conflicting having like multiple eyes doing the same thing. I think at least because in, in makeup artistry, there's, you're, I mean, rarely the only person. Mm -hmm. The higher you go up because there's, you need people to do makeup on multiple casts. Yeah. Especially, you know, with actors that, need more yeah um, so I, I guess to answer your question the answer would be yes if there's like a second unit but not okay. directly on the same set 
Interesting. But yeah, I don't, I'm not sure where you're going with that question, but. Oh, I think just in the sense of like, um, right now where I am in my career, I'm still assisting a lot of people. So mm. it kind of in the way that it works with mm. makeup artistry is like you are able to like department head your own smaller projects and then assist on bigger projects right. and then eventually it, it Grows, you know, yeah, 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 bigger yeah. and bigger. I don't have the luxury of that. Yeah, totally. So how do you, I mean, how do you get jobs? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a weird thing. That's, that's kind yeah. of the frustrating part about this path is yeah. there's only one of you on set as a mm -hmm. script supervisor and uh, you don't get hired on by another script supervisor. You have to be friends with either the producer, the... Uh, production coordinator like those kind of people that they have like script supervisors in their in their rolodex or whatever you know it's like those those are the people that bring me on is is do you have a union yeah how do you look like seven one hey shout out shout out <laughs> um, how do you get in that one's easy is it in uh... theory in theory Rumor has it, because okay. I haven't dug enough in because it sounds like a pain. Mm -hmm. hundred days. Paid oh, work. yeah, easy, a hundred days. That's a lot of days. A hundred days paid work, and I've done over a hundred days. Paid work, non-union film. Yeah. Not commercial. Either. Really? What? I just have to do a hundred days of script supervisor Seriously? work. Seriously? And either way, I've, I'm, 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 I just I calculated it out, and it's a, you have a two-year span to do the hundred days. So okay. if you wait, like you have days that start expiring, and right. then you have to like replace them. But as of right now, because we were talking about this off camera, uh, November twenty twenty is my two-year mark, and in that span, I've done over a hundred days. So That's technically, amazing. congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. So that's a big deal. Is it a big deal? Yeah. But I'm but I'm old. I'm oh kidding. my gosh, you're not old. <laughs> no, that is a really big accomplishment. Thank and you. for just about to hit two years in Los Angeles, that is huge. Mm. That's huge. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't have any like gauge to base it off of or anything. It's just like I'm just doing it. But yeah. But the, the difficult thing is getting the the sign off on the days that I've worked. Like you have to get like yeah those sheets filled out and signed on by production with their letterhead at the top and right for and you every have to single be paid a you have to have like your your stubs or some sort of the check the thing signed by the producer with the letterhead on top for all hundred days of my production of of the work and that stuff's the that's the pain I know and I'm just like just. You guys know I've done the work. Just take my money and yeah. let me in. Like I don't, don't. So, what would be the benefits of you getting in the union? Gonna work on union shoots. Yeah, right. What else? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, like I said, I haven't. I'm not a fan of union discussion. I feel like when. Like, normally on set, when people talk union, they're normally griping about not getting paid enough or not getting this bump or that bump or time schedules. Like, it's always about money and about, like, it's never fun conversation about union. It's always just, like, nitty-gritty <laughs> rules. 
and the compliance kind of stuff. And I'm just like, it's good to know, but I'm just here to be awesome and do my job. And hopefully like my assistant can handle all that, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, as far as benefits, I don't, I mean, the health is important. Oh uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, uh-huh. and then backing you up on getting higher rates, but that's kind of, I just want to be, be around more people with more experience is kind of the goal. So yeah, it feels like union is the way to go. Natural progression. Right. So I'm just uh, personally trying to figure out on when to bite the bullet and just, yeah. Cause I guess like we are currently in COVID times. Correct. So I was considering, um, this is actually a good time to make the transition because being that everything is restarting anyway and, and who knows, like everything's kind of re-ramping up and people have been off work for a long time and people are shuffling in and out of all the places. So I'm like moving to Union right now is probably the best move so I can rebuild, I can build contacts in that environment versus rebuild contacts in the non-union world. It's like, well, Do push it. for that. Um, do it. Get it done. We'll see. Keep me posted. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So we we got sidetracked a little bit. I mean. But talking about your beginnings. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we got real sidetracked. Yeah. Uh, it was so, a good sidetrack. So you didn't, you didn't jump in for the celebrity. It's kind of what I was getting from. I mean, maybe initially in the beginning, I, too, glamorized um being a makeup artist but I feel like there's so many different avenues like you can be a makeup artist in so many different capacities right so like the person who does the film um there's a different person who does their PR tour there's a different person that does the billboard there's a different person who does their red carpet event and they're completely different makeup artists Mm-hmm. that specialize in one thing. So they're makeup artists who just do celebrity red carpet. Yeah, because they're all different different mediums in, in ways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Every once in a while, uh, I feel like a celebrity will latch on to someone who wants them to be their makeup artist for a lot of things, but typically it's always different for mm-hmm. film versus event. Um, I, don't, I don't like doing event makeup. I don't like boring boring <laughs> why do event makeup when you can spend 12 hours getting paid minimum wage <laughs> on a film but still hire me, still hire me. <laughs> i i feel like in the beginning i when i encourage any makeup artist um to do in the very beginning is to try everything do it all mm-hmm. because eventually you're going to figure out what you like doing the most mm-hmm. initially when i first you know visualized myself being a makeup artist the people that I look up to now, I didn't even know that they existed back then because mm-hmm. we put certain people on like these super high pedestals that maybe don't even do the artistry that I ended up wanting to do. So I think that's really interesting of, of how that's kind of evolved for me. But um, initially I was like, I want to do um, makeup for Broadway on tour and I want to do mm-hmm. uh, music videos exclusively. And now I rarely do music videos. What's your thought and, on... What, why? Oh, because they're terrible. 
<laughs> they're not terrible. Okay, I just wanted you to say I, it. Yeah, right. You agree, though. I don't do it. You don't need a supervisor. I don't do it. Unless it's really story heavy. I mean, that's my issue with music videos. Oh gosh, is music videos. It, They're fun if you're a director of photography and you're doing camera and lighting. Mm -hmm. But even then, I'm sure it's not fun <laughs> because... Too many music videos go formulaic with camera moves, and it's like, all right, we're, all, we're gonna shoot all these the same, we're gonna light them all the same, and DPs are just like probably having their own struggles with trying to differentiate and challenge create creators to be cool there with their limited budgets. But yeah, yeah. so I don't know what, what your experience has been like. Yeah, but. I mean, I definitely will, I mean, I'll do whatever where it comes my way, which sure. is a lot of fun. Sure. But I have the most fun on film and short film and when there's like a story element. Um, I feel like also the crews are different. Like crews that do commercials regularly and crews that do film regularly are, <laughs> have different personalities. I also feel like people who do red carpet event makeup, hmm. different personalities. It's almost like to me what I've observed is that to do red carpet celebrity um, and uh, music videos you kind of have to have like a bit of like a fashion experience a bit of mm -hmm. an ego a bit of like making sure your products are all like name brand because it's oftentimes the look of it like i know that sounds horrible it's a lot but some people love that and yeah. i think that's so amazing and i have so much respect for makeup artists that go in that direction it's just not for me mm -hmm. <laughs> i i like working with a human person for like 12 hours a day and, and really creating makeup based on story elements and also the challenge of, of making the makeup look the same 12 hours later and working with like skincare and like I like being a part of the creative process of that um, but not everyone does mm -hmm. I mean some people love commercials that are eight hours and they're getting paid an obscene day rate. Exorbitant, exorbitant amount. Yeah, exactly. And then some people love like the the dress needs to match the makeup, needs to match the hair, and the collaborative effort of working yeah. with a celebrity in, in that like high pressured moment, you know, for walking the red carpet. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. And so, what I encourage, you know, makeup artists who want to get in the industry is to try everything because eventually, what you want to do is gonna come to it'll, focus it'll be narrative yeah. it'll be yeah it'll <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean we'll narrow it down but in the meantime you don't know if you like something yeah. you don't like something until you try it i mean i did a commercial a few weeks ago and i was just like <sighs> it's so boring there's like no stories it's like natural makeup it's just basic mm -hmm. it's like there's no creativity to it it's just like there was no, stills, no. which are not as fun for me as, as film. I, but yeah. I know makeup artists, and I've assisted makeup artists that, that love that. But but I think in the beginning, it is so important to try different things so, to see what you like. So what's the... You mentioned a personality difference between commercial and narrative. I was curious if you could elaborate on what... On what stereotypes. The, yeah, what the, yeah, what the yeah, difference... Yeah, I mean, of course... What you've... What you've of what course, observed. there are different... I'm generalizing a lot of things, but mm -hmm. typically for someone who is in, um, like the person who would strive for an editorial career, like doing fashion magazines and things like that, you have to go through the agency route. Um, 
so typically, if you want to get really far, um, typically in those situations, it's not about what the model wants. It's mm -hmm. what the makeup artist wants and what fits the shoot. Yeah. Whereas in film, it's not about what you want, really. I mean, you have, a, you have a say in it as a makeup artist, but it's a collaborative effort between the actor, the director, sometimes the production designer, the makeup artist, the hairstylist. It's a collaborative effort yeah. to create a look. Whereas, like, in fashion, it's what you want to do because you're setting the trends. You're, you're in charge. So that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I just have no interest in, right, in yeah. fashion. I assist a few artists that, that do editorial and do fashion, and, and I love helping them out, you know, and just, like, assisting them in their process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm, I do not want that. <laughs> I definitely do not want that. It's not as fulfilling for me as, like, working mm -hmm. in, a, in a team. Mm -hmm. um, but also another avenue of makeup artistry is the retail space, creating your own makeup line. Um, yeah, and, and also education um, within a certain makeup line. And, and there's so many different avenues of things that you can do. So when you decide you want to be a makeup artist, everyone kind of has their own path to get wherever they want. But if freelancing is something that people want to pursue, then I definitely encourage them to do the test shoots mm -hmm. for free, do the collaborating with people and expanding mm. your network and trying, you know, event makeup, trying weddings, trying, trying everything because same with bridal makeup artists. There's so many different ways to be successful as a makeup artist in, in this world. Makeup is everywhere. It's everywhere. And, and even some people that niche into certain things. I mean, even like makeups in the morgue and makeups mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. for disguise makeups and also like injury makeups for the army to help them prepare to see those kind of injuries. There's so many different, like even working in a workshop, there's so many different ways to be a makeup artist. <laughs> I'm overwhelming Eddie in this. <laughs> but there are, but you know what I mean? As like typically on set, makeup and hair people typically only do that. Mm -hmm. They don't really also dabble in the sure, lights or sure. camera or what a, that. What about special effects Yeah, makeup? Is that, is that makeup? Yeah, absolutely. There's workshops in Los Angeles. So you could literally be a makeup artist and not touch a single human because you're building and sculpting and mm -hmm. creating and mold making and building prosthetics and without even applying them. There's a whole team of people that create all of those things for the makeup artists mm -hmm. um, on set to apply. Yeah. Also, like the special effects, like the blood gags, the yeah. everything. Some of that is their own department, of course, but some of it does, like if it's touching the face, it does fall into makeup's mm -hmm. lap. Yes. There's a, it's a lot. It's so, a lot. all right. So when you were mentioning the collaborations and kind of pushing for, for dabbling in as many makeup fields as you can and taking what comes to you and, because you, you don't know necessarily what you're going to vibe with, what, and what environments are going to grab you and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Are you speaking from experience on that's that was your track or yeah or how I, did, what, what was your yeah path my like? experience I yeah. think um, so initially when I started I I went to aesthetic school first to get a background in skincare um, and then I jumped to retail and I had a lot of fun in retail mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy but I I really enjoyed. No. <laughs> Not to me. Yeah, okay, fair. I enjoyed working with um, everyday people that just mm -hmm. wanted to learn more. It was it was really 
um, rewarding teaching someone how to do basic makeup and learning about products and like why mm -hmm. they work and also doing makeup on so many different skin tones and so many different um, just just working with like real life people like yeah, yeah. you know learning about products because what what happens because I guess and this is where this is where the fulfillment comes in right yeah. is making okay because we talked about this a little bit last time <laughs> where there there's so much information out there in the in the makeup world yeah that when one is trying to learn what to do with with themselves and learning what processes they like or how do you, what processes process. I don't even know if it's a process, whatever, <laughs> what, what kind of makeup routine they want to, they figure what they want to figure out. But I, I my thought is what, do you have any examples of what somebody learning to what learning to do your own makeup does for you as a person, like what kind of change does it make to your day-to-day -day life when you do kind of bridge that gap of knowledge? Like what change, yeah. what change in a person is there? Like I'm sure my, my assumption is there's a lot of confidence growth in, in what you look like and what you're doing and, and, and that kind of stuff. But if you want to, if you can get more specific on, on, yeah. on that, I think I'd be yeah. cool. I mean, what happened with me when I was working retail mm -hmm. um, is I was able to help so many people learn things that, for some reason, society has told us we're supposed to know how to do. What's the most common thing people don't know how to do that we assume they should know how to do? Uh, besides makeup in general as a whole. Yeah, like the, like the, spe like the specific, specific thing. Is it like mascara um, or... I get a lot of comments and questions about eyeliner. It's probably mm -hmm. my most... It's like my most viewed video on YouTube. It's mm -hmm. my most common questions are generally eyeliner, which is just feels very random to me. But <laughs> it's, it's probably the question I get most asked about. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder why. I mean, it's it's hard. It's technical. Um, I don't know why eyeliner for some reason or foundation matches. I don't. I mean, it's yeah. Trying to color match is so, really common. Okay, too. that makes sense. Yeah, color matching eyeliner. I feel like that's what I would have the most hard time with. Is I'm 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 horrible with color. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's it's, hard. it's something I I don't know like with. Like with film, when I'm looking at the frame, I those that stuff I miss is like the lighting and yeah, just color in general. I just I'm looking at emotion, I'm looking at, at composition and, and that kind of stuff, but, but yeah. color kinda of goes over my head, so true. Fair. I mean it's hard though too because everyone has personal preferences to like artists will have a certain style mm -hmm. of what they like to do. Actors will have a certain preference of what they like on them. Same with people. Yeah. So sometimes, I think one thing that I always try to encourage my clients to do is to try something new mm -hmm. and do it in different ways until you figure out what you like and mix it up. Like you don't have to do the same face every single day. 
I remember when I was in high school, I had, there was one girl in my school who wore the exact same full face of makeup every single day, like ev like the exact everything, like everything was the exact same. And so my I always encourage people to mix it up, play with it, have fun, like take selfies where you look bomb AF, like like feel good about yeah. what you're doing. Don't do it because society is telling you you have to. Mm -hmm. Do it because you think it's fun and that a little bit of color can bring out certain cool features about yourself and it doesn't have to be so like these are the rules and you must abide by them to yeah. fit in the society's you know idea of perfection it's mm -hmm. like no like put on some blush play with it try it you know try yeah. different colors just have fun with it i think people take makeup so seriously it's not that serious it's, it's fun. It's fun. It can be fun. I, I, no, I, I like that. That sounds like a, a nice approach to me is, yeah. is do it do it for you. Do it for it's you. It's for you, it's not for, for them. It's for you. Yeah, and some people love having like a full face of makeup and they feel great in that. And I think that's awesome for sure. But I also think that there's a whole side of makeup that's just like can be fun. I think what, what happens when people get pressured in is that they, they don't have the confidence to try these new things. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember when I was first starting out, I didn't wear makeup in high school. I just picked it up because I was 18 and decided that I needed to learn how to do it. Right. You, you thought it was like what you had to do, kind of what, yes. what you were saying, an, an expectation. Yes, an mm -hmm. expectation. And um, I feel like in the beginning, you're putting these colors on your face and you don't feel confident about what you're doing. So sometimes it just takes like, a cheerleader or someone in your corner being like, yeah, try it, do it, blend mm -hmm. it, <laughs> play mm -hmm. with it, you know? Just do something new and have fun. Sometimes you just need that person in your life. Yeah, because I'm sure <laughs> the opposite end of that, yeah. which I'm sure deters people a lot from the experimentation in the first place, is going out into the world, having experimented with some makeup, and then getting looks or getting getting a comment about, it not looking good from like a, a friend or a foe, mm -hmm. but um, that's not, I'm sure that's not a big yeah. enough worry. I mean, or just the feeling that I have to put eyeliner on like this because my eyes are not beautiful without it. Mm, right. De uh, what's that word? Dependent? Becoming dependent on... In a sense, that, but it, it kind of goes more than just being dependent on an eyeliner. It's more like like the feeling that you're not good enough if you don't why are you making a sad face because <laughs> you are good enough <laughs> here you go that's the title of our podcast <laughs> it's true though like there's a whole side to yeah. makeup that is that is that i mean and and we see it a lot from everyday people up to actors mm -hmm. with names mm -hmm. everyone has a certain idea of, of what they look like and, and what products they prefer to use to enhance that yeah um that is another part of our job you know is you know telling people that you are enough and you look great and you know what i mean it's it it, it is an element to the job it's yeah it's a very complex job <laughs> <laughs> all right so you did you did a retail yeah, and then retail. and then you transitioned out of that or you you were kind of double dipping at a point right I was. you were you were doing retail yep. while this this is our while you're transitioning into freelance is that is that this point in your 
So I, after aesthetic school, went to retail, did retail with some freelancing, did some terrible makeup on different jobs. <laughs> and kind of going back to what we were saying about when I'm telling people to like experiment and play, I cannot even believe my parents encouraged me to keep going after the crazy makeup that I put on my face mm-hmm. <laughs> as I was just having fun, like playing like pink eyeshadow and like, <laughs> oh, I could show you the pictures. Yeah. It was definitely a time in my life. But I think because of the experimentation, it allowed me to really figure out what makeup I did like doing yeah. and, and creating. But um, yeah, so I was doing uh, retail and freelance for a while. And then when I was freelancing, I was like, I was doing some film jobs. And, and I remember the very first film job that I did, um, it was... I can't even believe mm. I got hired for it. I'm pretty was sure it was this, an accident. Was this in Los Angeles? This was in Austin, where I'm from originally. And um, for some reason, I had just graduated aesthetic school. I had a website with, like, crazy makeup on it, like, character makeup on it. And I applied for jobs on Craigslist and – because Facebook groups weren't really around at that point. Mm. So I'd apply on Craigslist, <laughs> and I applied for this music video job, and it was a – production company from LA and I was like I just applied for it I sent it to my website for some reason I got hired mm-hmm. I had never done makeup on a guy before in my entire life and ended up being keen they were here for ACL keen yeah they sing like somewhere only oh, okay, you know okay Anyway, yeah, you'd probably you'd probably recognize the yeah. song, but to me it was like such a huge deal, and and I remember it was like a twelve hour day. We ended at like three thirty in the morning, and they were just there passing through for ACL, and I somehow got hired on the, like so unqualified, mm-hmm. so unqualified. But I got home at three thirty, and my parents, you know, I was younger, so three thirty a.m. three thirty a.m. and I was like stoked. I was so excited and awake and energetic, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what I want to do. Like, mm-hmm. this is so rad. Like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. I, I didn't even know this is just how green I was. This is so bad. Sure. I was hired as a makeup artist. It never occurred to me that I would have to do hair. I didn't mm. bring a hair kit. I didn't know I was supposed to do hair. And then on the call sheet, it said makeup and hair, and I was like, but they know I'm only a makeup artist, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was so green. Yeah. So green. And they, they, they were forgiving of... Yeah, I mean, well, they were, like, passing through Austin. I'm pretty sure they would not have hired me again. But <laughs> that was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, 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 I yeah. mean, yeah. so anyway, um, it was just that moment that I was like, oh, man, like, this is what I want to do. And so then I applied for TV and film school specifically, makeup for TV and film, because mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. expand my knowledge on that. So I did um, that in Vancouver for a year. Then I went back to Austin, and I was still doing half retail, half freelance, and I was trying to decide if I wanted to move to L.A., what I wanted to do, how I wanted to get there. I still enjoyed uh, retail a lot, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed freelancing, and, and I was kind of getting to this point in my career where they were kind of conflicting with each other. Yeah, you had to pick a path. I had to pick a path, and it was there was a specific moment when I was talking to my sister because I was I was trying to figure out, like, what to do, like, what path to mm-hmm. go in mm-hmm. because I was – enjoying retail I was climbing up I was doing these training events I could see a future where I was working for a brand educating people I had a lot of fun but then at the same time I was doing these freelance gigs these movies and I was just fulfilled in in a different kind of way and and my sister was like look dude (laughs) she was like your retail job will never fire you 
they're not going to be like, you're doing a bad job, you're out. Like, that's never going to happen. So if you think that you want to chase this freelance job, this film and TV career, and retail is getting in the way, you have to make the decision because no one's going Mm -hmm. to make it for you. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be the one to decide what you want because, yes, you could have a successful career in retail and work up the ranks, but 10 years down the road, are you going to want to have tried the freelance route? And the answer was yes. And so I literally cried as I was giving notice <laughs> to my boss. I was so emotional because it was a scary decision. I didn't know if I was making the right decision. I hadn't been full-time freelance before. I was leaning on retail to like mm-hmm. supplement my income, and I was yeah. having a blast. But it was ultimately a decision that I ended up making um, and then moving to L.A. Sweet. Congrats. Thanks. Because it's, <laughs> it sounds like the classic debate between uncertainty and comfort. Right. Which is, which is, that sounds like the thing is you had the retailer job that was sufficient and, you, and you enjoyed it and, yeah. and you can grow in there too in right. ways versus who knows what this can turn into in the good ways and it's scary. It's so, so scary. So you made the, all right, so you put your notice in. Yep. And then you straight up just moved at the Basically, quick turnaround from decision, hop, hop in a skip. Yeah, I, when I got to Los Angeles, um, <clears throat> I picked up as a brand rep. So I worked for a company in different retail shops, educating um, like people who were passing through the store as well as people who worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for six months, and then I was like, it's it's so crazy because I was doing freelance jobs they came up typically when you do are you talking about after your move after my move yeah okay. so after my move sure I have a question oh, too but... okay uh, after I moved I did part-time brand wrapping which usually you make more than a retail person does um, and by typically I mean always I've never heard of <laughs> it being the opposite mm-hmm. um, but your days are like locked in and then I was doing part-time freelance, and then I just decided that ultimately retail was always going to get in the way of freelance, mm-hmm. and so I dropped the brand repping. And as soon as I did, I booked a feature. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I did, that whole month was booked. It nice. was insane. Nice. It was insane. As soon as I was like, "All right, like the, let's do it." That's how life works. Like, sometimes. Yeah, it was like, "All right, you got it." <laughs> no, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to ask too, actually, mm-hmm. before. You talk more about that. For sure. Is I'm curious to know, because I'm thinking about people listening or watching and thinking about if they're ready to make the jump to LA to pursue to mm-hmm. pursue a makeup film career. So, did you did you have any sort of roots pre planted or any seeds planted in, in in this area before you, before you made the jump? Or because, like you said, the 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 folk the people you worked with, they were an L.A. production company mm-hmm. coming through. So I don't know if, if those are contacts you could have tapped into or or like what your what your strategy was once you made the decision to jump. I'm curious to yeah. hear about the strategy there. You... I mean, for sure. I don't think you're ever going to be ready. Like you can just – in my head I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm ready for L.A. jobs. Like I don't think I'm ready for that. But sure. – and I was like, I think I would rather be like 
a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond, which I was relating Austin to L.A. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're necessarily ever going to be ready. I think you just have to do it. So, yeah, so just to clarify, you yeah. jumped regardless of the, the pre the pre production <laughs> the, the prep Film term. the prep of uh, of the jump it was just like i gotta make the move because move. because there's because. only so much you can do it's like you just gotta do it yeah my sister lived in la at the time and so um it kind of just worked out her roommate was moving out so i was able to, to mm-hmm. jump in and live with her for the first eight months until she got booked on a job and left la but <laughs> yeah. um but it was great to have some sort of start and yeah. and in the beginning when you don't know anyone in la i mean i think that's i mean other than my sister um you definitely have to put yourself out there to try to get the jobs um i yeah it's a lot it's 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 definitely a lot and so when i when i first got here my sister was like, reach out to every person that knows a person that knows a person. You know, like, go through your Facebook friends list and figure out who you can contact that would know someone that knows someone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, just take a minute. And I, I actually networked with um, someone who had come and spoke at my makeup school five years prior who lived in Los Angeles. And so I found her contact and, and reached out to her. Mm-hmm. And now we're good friends and she's been able to give me a lot of work which is oh, great nice. but um yeah and if, and if you don't know people then start reaching out to people that you don't know and it's one thing that I think is really interesting about our career is that a job that you you never know what job is going to give you the next so I literally did a job that I found on Craigslist within the first year that I moved here mm-hmm. and she just asked me back for a commercial four years later mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah so you never know what that's why, like, be nice and be grateful for every job that you're on because you don't know who from that job is going to bring you on to the next. The, the key with that mm-hmm. tip, which I agree with, yeah. is that needs to be a genuine feeling. Like, don't, don't, fake, don't fake being nice to the producer and the people but just because you know they're gonna, they can bring you back later is you actually have to be appreciative of the work and the opportunity I think there's like a difference there where, yeah. where I always, I don't, I don't want to get negative. We were so negative last time. Were we? <laughs> no, I'm just griping. But now okay. I was thinking about, it's always weird for me witnessing people on set where they're, they're grumpy a lot of the time and I witness the grump and then <laughs> in front of certain people, they turn it on and they're like, oh my gosh, great work. I love the set. I was like, you didn't love the set. What are you talking about? I watched you like. All day, complain about everything. Like, that yeah. kind of thing is weird to me. Um, so, hopefully, ideally, it is a good experience. And you are appreciative. And people, right. people feel that... I think genuineness is kind of under underrated, is my, is, my, is my word on that. Where I feel like it's everything in, in, this, kind of, in this kind of networking town was if you come across as you and who you are and being genuine and actually having a good time and giving positive energy and all that kind of stuff, it really upped your chances on, on coming back first. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to add yeah. on to what, what you were saying. And, and loyalty too. I mean, I think uh, also one thing that happens is that it just it takes so long and you work on so many different projects to build up Right. your portfolio and, right. and so when you accept rates that are below what you think you should be making try to still 
mm. be the same worker that you are. Hundred percent. When you're on those uh, high paying jobs. I talk about me a little bit really Please. quick. <laughs> yeah. When I first moved to Los Angeles, okay, let me. I have two thoughts really quick. Yeah. First thought I is. I do Yeah. Continue. First thought is, I liked how you knew you were gonna move, and then you just moved. For me, I didn't. I I held off on the decision to move for a long time, because something in the back of my brain was like, "You're not ready yet," <laughs> and so and I feel like. In hindsight, I'm like, smart move. Like, smart move for not moving before you're ready. I guess regardless of ready yet or having enough experience is different than feeling ready. Right. Like, feeling ready is more of the point. So I was able to rack up a lot of experience in Reno before I moved. Um, But then when I did move, and kind of the big fish and small pond kind of thing you're talking about where... I knew moving to Los Angeles, it's a big pond. Mm-hmm. The biggest of ponds. <laughs> it's the biggest of ponds. And even with the amount of experience that I had in Reno, it kind of, you know, it kind of doesn't mean much now that I'm in Los Angeles. Yes. And then that was my mentality. It was like, got to start from scratch. I have, I have the experience. I have the mindset. I know the process. Like I, I can, I have a strong foundation to build on. Um, but I knew that I was even going to have to like, I was like in my mind, I'm going to have to PA, I'm going to have to be a production assistant just to start out. Like I'm, I'm open to it. Right. So what, uh, how old was I when I moved? What, I'm 31 right now. So I was 29 mm-hmm. when I moved to Los Angeles ish. Is that how old I was? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it almost again in hindsight i'm like that's kind of old for a pa like normally when you see pas they're especially non-union they're like young people just trying to get on set and whatever but i I did recall to speak on you like you don't know what it's going to lead to thing is the hardest thing is there's always there's a bunch of resource apps and like staff me up and and like oh uh there's another one on my tip my tongue Um, but regardless for like crew work um yeah. And right. I was on a couple of those, and I, I never got anything through them, which was frustrating. Right. Especially some of them you have to pay for. Yeah, you have to too. pay a monthly, like eight bucks a month to mm-hmm. be able to submit and whatever. I'm like, sure, I'll do I'll do a month and just see what happens because yeah. I'm new here. I'm desperate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I was able to get through one of those, which I'm sure isn't very difficult, but it was an unpaid PA position. Yep. And I'm like, I'll show up and yep. do a few days, like whatever. I've got, I've got nothing else going on. I'm here for a reason. I have an objective. I just need to get on set. And I was on set as a PA, and I was a badass PA because mm. I'm pro. <laughs> so, I did recognize me amongst the other PAs. I'm like, these are just young dudes that are gung ho to just be here and like, yeah, yeah, go do the thing. Yeah, go go off and go help them. Like I'll just chill back here at, at I'll do the boring job of sitting and like fire watching at base camp. And uh I I was just, you know, chatting with the second A D and the and the production coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> and hanging out with them all day. And the production coordinator ended up getting another job later on and she knew that I was also like 
script supervisor and she brought me on to a whole like her her new show as a script supervisor meeting me as a volunteer pa on a set dude so that's what's up and that was like a recurring gig like that was kind of youtube youtube space where they're just churning out content month after month so yep so like just you do you have to um for sure pay your dues i i hear that a lot with makeup artists that are been successful in bridal or other different avenues that want to move to film film is a whole different animal you mm-hmm. have to take those low budget sometimes non-paying gigs to get your foot in the door and suck it up and do the best that you can do because those are going to lead to higher mm-hmm. paying jobs mm-hmm. but i feel you definitely and the thing is is that sometimes it's, it's easy for me to get bogged down and because sometimes i don't make the rate that i want to but When I think back to like, I mean, four years ago when I moved to LA, I would have just accepted any day rate, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like anything just to get on set. And then eventually the more that you grow and the more that you learn, it's, it's, it happens. It's kind of a natural progression. It is a natural progression. And I mean, I think back to even, you know, nine years ago when I just wanted to get on any set I was just so excited to get on any set you know like I think she'd be pretty pumped at where, mm-hmm. <laughs> at where I am now and I think it's just so easy to get bogged down because yeah you're maybe not making the rate that one day you will make but um, when you turn around and look at well, look at the forest for the trees <laughs> is that the expression something that something yeah like yeah because I it's definitely like you said sometimes you get bogged down like it is I I know too many people that are starting out from scratch in LA that are, that get frustrated right at the very beginning with like, no, I just, like, I'm a DP. I deserve right. to be a DP. Like I need to get DP gigs. Like I'm not a PA. I'm not doing this anymore. Like that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. you've only done like a few weeks. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You've only been here for a few months. Right. So there's, it's a weird thing to get through. It's, it's a weird mindset to get into, but it, Absolutely. Life is too difficult if you're... Ex- I mean, life is already hard enough as it is. Yeah. If you're fighting the path that you know you have to travel anyway, yeah, makes it harder. That's why, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to love what you do, mm-hmm. especially in film, because at that point, it won't matter. You know, I could make three times my day rate on a commercial and just be so bored out of my mind. And then when I'm working on a film, making a much lower rate, just having, being so fulfilled. And so I think, yeah, at yeah. the very beginning, you have to have, and not even at the very beginning, always, you always have to have a hunger and a love for mm-hmm. what you do to put up with the craziness that we do. And I think a lot of people, they just want to jump. They want to jump to get the higher paying gigs, but that's not how it works. Yes, you can get lucky and you can get sure, some really great gigs, sure. but if you don't have the experience and the lessons that you learn on those like insane, no budget jobs, you're not going to be as strong of a worker. You're not going to have the appreciation. You're not mm-hmm. going to have networked with people who do jobs other than your own to really appreciate and understand the collaborative effort of it. There's so much more to learn about being a makeup artist than just doing makeup in film. So I think when people just like jump and then they, you know, because yeah. it happens. You have, you you might have a connection to get you on a higher gig, and, and that's great, and that's awesome. But 
he won't have the experience of the hard life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's well said. I 100% agree mm-hmm. with everything you just said. Well, thank you. Well, I think that's the crazy thing too is like we're not at the play we're not at the end of our careers. We are in the more grand scheme plenty of things. More. We need to do a reunion episode. In 10 years. In 10 years? <laughs> okay, we're going to be like, no. <laughs> like, we hate film. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, but it's true. You know, like we still have so much more to go in our career. This is just the beginning, but we've already been doing it for so many years. It's like... Yeah, my, my objective mm-hmm. for future Eddie watching this... All right. Because I always enjoy watching my own content. Yeah, for sure. No, it makes sense. <laughs> I like looking back on, on opinions and thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, because it's gotten me this far, like just the appreciation and the love of the process, the hunger and the hunger, yeah. like just hold on to that, keep that, keep growing, right. keep chasing the growth, chasing and, the growth. I like that. And uh, yeah, so who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So that, I feel like that was a nice, nice little segment on the transition. Did you have yeah. any other thoughts on, on that? Because I mean, I guess getting started in LA. If there are any tips, because that was you kind of talked a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any specific other things. I think the but. one thing is um, that I touched on last time as well that any person wanting to get in a film, I always say is don't just focus on networking with the top of the top. And this goes for any job in production. Mm -hmm. So this is just basic life advice for those pursuing freelance life in L.A. Is this kind of that segment? I think so, too. Okay. All right. So, yeah, if you want to freelance in Los Angeles, besides taking the gigs that are low budget to build up your experience, your knowledge, your network, everything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. look at it as an investment for the future. You know, don't just look at it as a crappy day, right? Well, because here's the thing that I always think about. It's not about the money. (laughs) It's not about the money for me is Mm -hmm. how I see it. But what I actually, what I was actually going to say was even on those, regardless of the budget, there are still people you're collaborating with on set. And same as anything else, you don't know who anybody is or where they're going, what their goals are what they're up to next. So like and you kind of said, yeah. so like, so like you kind of said is regardless of the rate, be as, be as, as awesome as you can be and impress everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's kind of the objective is I feel I put a lot of pride in myself. Like even when I'm doing the, my for fun, like I do for fun shoots sometimes with, with friends and people that I don't even know, or I'll, kind of like favor stuff where I'll show up as a script supervisor for a short film everybody's just volunteering their time and I'm like I'm still treating it like the real thing and and keeping everybody honest and we're doing we're doing this we're doing this real as if we are getting paid what we're worth because that's that's how that's how I approach it at least I feel completely and at some point you're going to get to the Part, the point in your career where you won't accept a rate or you won't work for free or you won't and that's a natural stage of or you'll just, progression. Or you can just super cherry pick those opportunities too. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I could imagine a scenario I mean there are scenarios where it's like just being able to be in the room with these people 
is worth it. I forget my no payroll. Like I'm, I'm stoked to just be there in the room with Will Smith and like, <laughs> who knows? Like yeah. if I just got to work with these people and they get like, I don't know. That, that's a mindset of me, but maybe. No, okay. I think that that's true. Um, for sure. There are always going to be those opportunities. Actually, I have a draft for a YouTube video that will hopefully be up soon mm-hmm. talking about like when to say yes to free work, because I do think it is important yeah. in our job. It's important to be compensated for your time, of course, but there are also moments. Some, I mean, one of my favorite jobs still to this day was on like the lowest of low budget Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you can imagine. And the people and the the story itself was so Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. And just the respect that everyone had for each other, knowing that we were all donating so much of our skill, it to this day is still one of my favorites just because I think at the end of the day, we created something really, really cool. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so networking. How to get jobs when you're in Los Angeles. Yes. Take One big away. thing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to run with it. Um, networking with people that are not just at okay. the top. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll finish that out because, yeah, maybe they'll be able to get you on jobs, but they probably won't be able to get you on the jobs that you're experienced for. So while I think it's important to have mentors and people in your life that are all at all different stages because you can just learn so much. I mean, at least I feel like for artistry and makeup itself, there's things that you can learn from people who have only been doing it for a day. There, there, there's inspiration and things that I can pull like from people who are just like experimenting and having fun with makeup. You can learn because it's an artistic form from absolutely everyone. So I, I do think it's important not just creatively to pull inspiration from and lessons from things from people or mm-hmm. that are just have a certain way of doing things, but also networking for jobs because the person who is the union artist that is 30 years above you, are they're not going to be able to bring you on their projects until you're in the union. So it's way more valuable, mm-hmm. not saying that that's not a good connection because it is when one day you'll be there, but it's way more valuable in the meantime to network with people who are at your level, little under, little over. Because then you're going to slowly build and grow your mm-hmm. network within that. And a lot of the times in makeup artistry, you often need to hire assistants and things like that. So it's a really great way um, to get on those other projects to fill in fill in the gaps and fill up your schedule. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess to, I don't know. So you mentioned getting, um, going on websites, which we both agreed that every once in a while you'll get something off of that, but not often. I guess. Okay. Cause you were talking about, I mean, that's, that's nice general freelance advice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think about, I guess the one thought that came through my mind was yeah. when I have the opportunity to refer somebody for a gig. I don't know how it feels for you, but I always feel super awesome being able to hook up somebody else on a gig. Yeah. Like that is one of the best feelings is like, you're an awesome person. I hope they bring you on. Like here's like, I can't do it. I'm booked already right. or I've got like something else going on. Yeah. I like being able to help them and I like being able to help them and connecting, connecting the two. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah, and it's just building up your network. I mean, like, people who do your job are not necessarily competition. There's so many jobs around that 
I think that there's a way for everyone that wants to be successful to be successful. I think another big thing on how to get jobs is to actually care about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So when... That was the authenticity I was talking about. Yeah. It was, don't fake it. Right, exactly. Like, when... Learn about other jobs so that you can build and grow what they're doing. So, like, if someone's like, hey, are you available for the short? I'm like, yeah, for sure, but, like, let me talk to the creatives. Like, let me read the script. Like, let Mm -hmm. me figure out how Mm -hmm. I can enhance it. And when you show that passion and interest that's how you build genuine connections Mm -hmm. because you're able to kind of go outside of yourself and really help create something i think that's a really big part it's just showing that you care yeah that's kind of so that's kind of okay jeez speak (laughs) (laughs) it's been been a long long couple weeks for me here All right. So, is that your process for deciding on how to jump onto a project? Is do you how how often do you go through those reps of like I, I need to see the script first or yeah because yeah. so an important thing for people who are freelancing to know is that you apply for a lot of jobs. You hear back from some. Mm-hmm. Some of them fall through, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, one will stick. Yeah. As far as colds calling and looking for jobs. So yes. and then eventually, the more that you pursue this business the more that the ratios kind of shift and change i would say even for me it's different is it it might be a script supervisor thing okay but i don't have the opportunity to put in for many jobs really oh interesting so whenever i hear about a job yeah how do you hear about it it's normally a direct referral or Okay. Or yeah. or or uh, somebody I worked with before is reaching back out. Like mm. that's that's like pretty much. How do you get your first job? Just through people. Oh, that was through script supervisor networking group. Like, cause I. Okay. I don't know if we talked about this before, but um, when I decided script supervising was my thing, yeah. I did like a, a ten week intensive on on the position, even though even though I had all the experience I had making short films and editing, producing, directing, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know specifically what a script supervisor was responsible for. And we talked about it last time, but like it wasn't filmed or whatever. <laughs> and we're not, you're not going to see it. So um, <laughs> that's an exclusive. That was exclusive. Exclusive cut. Um, I was on a, on a set out in Carson city before I moved to Los Angeles and I had the opportunity to cover for a script supervisor on a on a seven million dollar feature for a weekend because she was sick, and there's nobody out in that area that can do the job. And she's like, Eddie's been sitting here asking me questions all the time, so just let Eddie do it. Mm-hmm. And then when I handed in my notes for like the two days that I did it, she's like, Eddie, this is what you do now. <laughs> These are great. Here's. Here's the contact for the person that trained me out in Santa Monica in Los Angeles. Her workshop starts, like, whatever, a month after our production wraps. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So that was like a a 10-week intensive. It was probably like six hours a day, four days a week for 10 weeks, strictly script supervising. And that was through Randy Feldman. And it's uh, it's kind of a name in the in the script supervisor okay. world. She's okay. like the only instructor. Wow! And like the like people come from Africa, Canada to to study from her. That's nuts. Um, yeah, 
And uh, so she is a resource in herself in terms of when people are looking for new script supervisors, they just reach out to her and she kind of blasts out the emails to her newer script supervisor um, yeah, group or mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah, that was kind of how I got my first gigs. So she would just be like, hey, the student film's looking for a thing. This is, you know, small wow. right or whatever. And a lot of people are like, ugh, like, I'm not, like, kind of what you're saying is like, a lot of people passed on that stuff. Rightly so, too, depending on where they were at. Who knows? But regardless, that was stuff I definitely pounced on to get my. Yeah my first stuff but but that's kind of how how it is is it's normally through a script supervisor group interesting and then like one thing that that happens in our groups is there's this weird i don't know if other (laughs) groups do it too but it's like (laughs) it's a it's a thing where they'll post some details about the about the, the, the gig in the group. Okay. And they'll be like, the first five people that comment on this, I'll refer to the producer. Wow. So then, it's gotta be fast. So then everybody kind of races and like, I'm, I'm free, I'm available. Hmm. And then they blast off those five. And then they choose out of those five. Or was, I don't know. So do you have a portfolio? Like, how do people see what you do? I have a resume. Okay. Okay. You can go to my website at uh, eddievhillv.com and I have, it's kind of like my living, my living document is it's just like I update it with each gig, but it's, it's, it's normally the referral thing is everything in script supervisor world is if the script supervisor you couldn't get is referring these other people, they're kind of. You know, it's like, all right, I sweet, I trusted them. I trust who they're bringing on. And you just come on as a blind trust. Wow. Without talking to the director, without talking with anybody. You just kind of come on to set so cold. Wow, and, how and interesting. That's most of my production is that I, like, I don't know anybody. And then I just Pop leave, I just leave a rock star. And, uh, <laughs> like, what's up, bye, guys? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. But, um interesting so when you say you apply for a lot of gigs yeah and in the beginning you don't get money and hopefully the ratio kind of gets better through experience for me it's like well i guess more opportunities just present themselves to me versus me applying for anything it's like if it's presented it's mostly like just yes i'm in yeah and that's kind of it's kind of weird which i would say i mean prior to covid about 50 percent of my work is assisting all different artists so that um and then probably 25 percent is referrals from other makeup artists who can't work mm-hmm. and then 10 percent is not film related kind of like new like new contacts kind of thing yeah yeah and then one well, then probably 15 percent is like me like chasing down people i wasn't keeping track of your stats (laughs) (laughs) but i trust you there yeah yeah but most but most of the time it is it is referrals through people you know but Mm -hmm. in the beginning when you don't have that then it's like all just applying for whatever job you can get and also assisting as many people as you can get as you can assist too yeah so if you're looking for resources yeah Tell me how to get a, I don't know. No, I mean like crew work in general. There's like there a Facebook bunch of group. Facebook groups. That's like, how I got the jobs that we got together. Was through a Facebook group. What was it? 
I, I was through a filmmaker group. Um, there's this group that meets up or used to meet up in pre-COVID times okay. in Sherman Oaks in the Valley. Yeah. And it was, it's called The Table. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's, 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 I was super attracted to it when I first moved here because it reminded me of what I was doing back in Reno, which is the collaborative, volunteer-based, we're just here to be cool and help each other out and just make some stuff for fun. Yeah. And that's what this group sounded like to me initially. It was like, okay. we're just here to meet up and meet each other and, you know, like do trade work or, well, like, yeah. you know, I help you, you help me, like right. that kind of stuff. And I'm like, sweet, like that's exactly what I need for when I'm, when I'm new to LA, like that kind of group is super helpful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the producer was a part of that group, and she blasted out oh, through wow. that email chain, and that's how I got on that. Oh, interesting. So I've gotten gigs through that, that group for sure. I that's got a awesome. couple. Some of my favorite ones. Yeah, networking with, with people and finding people in your tribe. and Yeah, all part of the game, man. That's great, though. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's how you got our job. Yep. Ding. That led us here. <laughs> <laughs> over a year ago yes mm -hmm. okay um other advice what else have we got for you kids trying to <laughs> jump in to the pool and play oh, man yeah saying yes to different opportunities also realizing that it's going to be mm. a long road mm. big thing Ooh. big thing this is like okay. everything okay okay i don't know if, how much it plays into you kind of hinted at this before okay I would consider it producing your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for makeup, I feel like it wouldn't be necessarily producing a short film. It, it'd be more, I don't know what the equivalent to that would be in in the makeup world. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know if you could speak on making something for happen sure. for yourself that you're kind yeah. of spearheading. That is key. When you don't have work coming your way, create work. Mm -hmm. So test shoot with photographers. Think about when you're building your portfolio as creating something that someone hiring you for the job that you desire mm -hmm. would want to look at. But how do I know what I need in my portfolio, <laughs> Shannon? You need all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that when you're, when you're, keep in mind that a producer looking at your work, a director looking at your work, they're not looking at makeup the way that you're looking at makeup. So you need to pay attention to more than just the makeup itself. Mm -hmm, Take a look mm -hmm. at the overall frame. So interesting when we were talking about my mom yeah, being same, like, same thing. same thing, not just about the makeup, it's all about the overall picture. So work with um, photographers that have more of a cinematic eye. Even sometimes cinematographers will dabble in photography and will want to shoot with you. We do kind of a trade shoot. Mm -hmm. Also doing effects that are not just like, just a picture of, you know, someone with like a black eye. Like, tell a story mm. with your picture. Don't just do the bruise makeup. Like, is their hair messed up? Have mm -hmm. they been running? Is, are there dirt? Like are there the little facial cuts? Expression, yeah. The facial expressions. Yeah, collaborating with actors. Like, you know, even if actors are filming monologues, you could create like a little team of, mm -hmm. of someone, of a cinematographer that wants like a cool shot and an actor that wants a new monologue. You know, collaborating, figuring out these different ways to work, not necessarily for money, but to give you jobs that will then be paying you. It's called investing in thyself. Investing in thyself. That's how I see it. Absolutely. Because, yeah, it's not in the moment paying, but down the road. Yeah, because you never know what 
what a director is going to see, I mean, in your portfolio that's going to be like, I want that makeup artist over that makeup artist. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it could be just getting, nailing a certain style that they're into, playing with different effects, like doing different, um, just building up and beefing up your portfolio. Because you never know who's looking at it. And people who are hiring you are hiring you for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of, of hiring you, mm -hmm. um, you mentioned, you mentioned, we talked a little bit about it, but as far as reading the script ahead of time, yeah. you mentioned talking to the creatives. Mm -hmm. How often prior to getting hired onto a gig do you have the opportunity to have some sort of conversation with, with the director or yeah. how often does it happen for you? So I think that's something that grows with experience, right? Because the questions that I asked nine mm -hmm. years ago, like on my first music video, like, am I supposed to do hair? That is now the first question that I ask when I'm getting hired for a job. You want hair? Uh, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> exactly. I'm out. I simply can't work under these conditions. So every single job that you do <laughs> is going to grow your questions list. And so mm -hmm. nowadays it's like, hey, are we going to have power where we're at? Are you going to provide a table? What about chairs? Mm -hmm. You know, and that, is there going to be light? Like, what about food? Mm -hmm. What's are we gonna get a pre-call? What about overtime? Food's a big one. Food is a big one. Food is not a big one to me. Okay. But I do know a lot of people on set there's always there's always a few people on set that like food is like the biggest thing to them. Yeah. And food's a hard people pleaser sometimes. <laughs> so it is. I don't know how you can train yourself on that, but being <laughs> open to lots of different food options is important. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, one thing in the beginning is like, I was like, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to bother production with all of these questions. And the more experience that I've had, the more that I've learned that you're not a bother you're, by you're, clarifying. You're more professional. You're more prepared. You'll be better at your job if you know what questions to ask so that you can perform better well it's that and if you want to see it from you're also helping them with with getting that out of the way now versus yep. like showing up on the day and being like yo where's my table <laughs> or whatever exactly yeah, yeah. And, then, yeah. Then, and then scrambling and then whatever absolutely yeah, yeah. it is just a level of, of being prepared but that is something that you learn you know through time. I remember talking to one of my friends that went to the film school who's like five years ahead of me and as I was assisting her and I would call her on these like low budget jobs that I was department heading myself and she was like, oh yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. Or like she would tell me things and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd be too nervous to ask production about that and then something would happen and she'd be like, that's why. <laughs> but you have to learn those lessons, you know, and you have to go through those those low budget experiences to, to really... Prepare yourself for the bigger and better jobs. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I think. No, 100%. Yeah, so 100%. as far as creatively talking with directors, it's something that I've kind of learned over time. And, and some projects, because it's all personality, some people will be more open to it. Some directors I've called and then hung up the phone two hours later and been like, I don't know if I said a single word, <laughs> you know, because they're so excited to, to tell you about their story and with their vision and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just kind of, Mm -hmm. meeting in the middle somewhere. So it kind of depends on the project and, and it depends on the makeup needed. And, and Yeah. You know. Yeah, I had a few thoughts in there. I'm kind of scrambling to remember what I was going to say. No, good. But, um, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, shucks. Yeah, you say something else while I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it really just comes to the collaborative spirit. Okay. And your, your okay. willingness to put in the work. I guess, I guess one of the thoughts I, I had was, um, it's interesting, I like, as a script supervisor, once again. Oh, I, I remember the other thought. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I put more stock... Being a script supervisor is a weird thing because I don't have necessarily any creative control over anything. Like, I don't decide how anything looks. So when I'm picking my gig, I put more stock into who I'm working with. And like I said, I didn't. I don't have the chance to have pre-discussions with a director mm. because, like, what questions am I going to ask a director? <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of like, hey... Um, so how, like, how specific do you want to be with the dialogue being, like, of the, of the act? Sometimes uh-huh. directors get really specific. I need it word for word. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Most directors are pretty chill with yeah. stuff flipping around and rewording and whatever. But that's like, all right, sweet. I'm, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, so it's pretty simple for me. And then Interesting. And then it doesn't matter what the genre is. It doesn't matter... I never thought about that for script supervisor. For any of that. It's just, do I enjoy, do I, I usually ask the, the producer on, there's always a, a, a heavy pitch on how awesome the project is out of the gate. Like sometimes you get these long, these long emails about this is the director and this is like the story and this is well, why we're doing it. And I'm like, sweet, I believe in the message. I believe and you vouching for the director, like, I'll just take it at face value, and I trust you, and I've worked with you before, so I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to jump on blind. Like, that's kind of... Interesting. I will worry about the page count, though. Okay. I'm like, how many how many days are we shooting this? All right, three days, and how many pages? 30 pages. <laughs> and then I'm like, like, I'm like... So then I can determine, for those at home... A safe, independent film, non-union page count for a day is maybe in the five range. Oof. I would say maybe in the five range. Is it ever in the five range? <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like a chill, a nice chill day where you can focus. Yeah. I can do my job and manage continuity. Anything above that, maybe like eight is kind of more standard, probably yeah. near the high single digits. Um, once you go over that, the higher you go in the pages per day, the faster you're trying to do things, the less time you get to focus on the the specifics of making sure everything is right, that you just, like me as a script supervisor, I have to know, like, I just have to let stuff go because we don't have time to address my little tweak. Like, hitting, right. the, hitting the day is more important than fixing an eye line or somebody switching a line or whatever. It, you you weigh you weigh the the importance of things but mm-hmm. so those are like things i look at as page count and then vouching for the person recommending me for the job okay and that would that's what determines and then and then i guess, guess i guess pay is important too yeah i mean that helps <laughs> i have been I don't know, this is i have been practicing a lot on asking about like trying to get extra money good um like do you get a kit fee i usually don't Okay. But I usually use, I usually ask. Good. For, um, yeah. I feel, in a way, 
for me, it feels weird. My kit is so small, but it is still a kit. Yeah. And I should be getting extra money. Yeah. So I'm getting better at asking for that. Good. As the confidence grows, and this is this is a common thing too, the more confident you get in yourself, the and the more confident you know, the more confident you get in the fact that you know jobs will be coming anyway, you can ask the harder questions about getting what you what you deserve or like yes. like <clears throat> sometimes I, I you because you know that production is not going to give it to you unless you ask. So there's, yes. for me, it's prep days yep. and kit fee. Yep. I've never asked for a wrap day before because I don't really feel like I would use it anyway. Like the yeah. projects are only small enough where I don't need like a day to wrap out all my notes or whatever. But yeah. I heard in Union World, that's a thing. Is like you have a day to compile all your episodic stuff or your... Mm-hmm. or your whatever to get to production. Yeah, I think that's that's a big one too for makeup artists is anytime someone gives you a rate, um, responding with, is there any flexibility with that? Or what did you have budgeted? And then always asking for a kit fee. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, if they're like, okay, your your day rate is $350. And you're like, okay, cool, what did you have budgeted for um, the kit fee? And they're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, we don't have any budget for a kit fee. Right, and, and be then... like, okay, well, especially if there's something specific to the project, um, be like, well, then I need to look over the script and make sure that Mike's... Usually I'll say, like, um, do you have anything in the budget for an additional kit fee to help cover my expenses? Right, right. Because they don't intentionally want you to be spending crazy amounts of money, but if you put it as, like, Hey, like to cover my expenses, what do you have budgeted for my kit fee? That's the benefit of these other these other departments that I get jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're bringing what your iPad, your chair, your stand. No, I bring an iPad. You just bring an iPad. That's all I have. And then technically, Must I, be I, nice. <laughs> I use my iPad and I use my phone. Okay. That's it. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's wear and tear on your on your equipment. No, for sure. No, definitely. Yeah. So it's still a kit. I was going to say that it is nice having that potential leverage in because I know like production design uses it all the time because the production wants our set built and wants the stuff to show up. So, yeah, I do feel like makeup, I feel like could have that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but sometimes makeup gets glossed over in a sense because they don't people don't understand Hmm. um, it Hmm. unless it's like specific to the story. Um, and like if I right, know, right, like know. a scar or something. Exactly, yeah. where then they're like, oh, okay, we have this budgeted or for that. Or the tattoo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anytime someone asks for your rate, ask them what they had budgeted for it. Always, always. I don't feel like producers are honest, but yeah, no, they're not. They're not. But here's the thing: my sister produced. She doesn't really produce that much, but one time she produced at right when I moved to LA. She's mm-hmm. producing a commercial and. She asked someone their day rate, and they said 500 even though they had budgeted 800 But when you tell them what you, what you want to get paid, they take it. the producers are going to pay you what you say you want to get paid. I've made that mistake plenty of times. Yeah, because the producer's not going to be like, they're like, okay, great, the 300 Because the producer's job is to save as much money as they can. They want it to be you know, done as well as it can yeah. be, but with spending the least amount of money. So if someone is telling you that this is what I deserve to be paid then, and it's in their range, then they're going to pay it, you know? But instead of being like, 
Cool. My range can vary depending on the project and the complexity of the designs needed. What mm -hmm. did you have budgeted for this position? And then when they're like, okay, we had X amount of dollars. Okay, great. How much, is there any flexibility with that? And how much did you have budgeted for an additional mm -hmm. kit fee? Mm -hmm. An additional kit fee. <laughs> yeah, because, all right, because of course the fear, the reason that those conversations go south yeah. is because there's a fear if I say a number too high, then I'll just get discounted right away True. because they don't have, their budget's three fifty and I'm right. saying five hundred and yes. now they'll just they're they're, even, they won't even counter because they're like, Oh, this person's out of my range. Exactly. So for the risk the risk of losing the job could potentially outweigh the risk of the money lost by underbidding. If that makes sense. If... Okay, true. I hear you. Yeah. Definitely, and I, and I agree in the beginning, I definitely would take jobs left and right for sure, no matter mm -hmm. what. But at the same time, yeah. um, even on those lower budget rates, like look, if, like for instance, on the job that we did, lower budget rate, they were like, look, this is all we can do. I'm like, okay, look guys, this is a lot lower than what I usually do. Do you have any additional money to help cover the cost of my makeup kit? And then they're like, well, how much is that going to cost? And I'm like, typically it ranges from 25 to, you know, 175 a day, depending on the things needed. Um, I know you guys are really tight on budget, but anything that you can help me out with would be really appreciated. Yeah, because ideally, for those at home listening again, you don't want to be out of money. You don't want to go negative in money. In any way on a production. Correct. Which is what people fall into a lot early yes. on. I've had, especially as a PA, there's a lot of there's a lot of chances when they ask you to like go out and buy crafty or go out mm. and do some runs, and they don't give you the money for it, and then as and then you're afraid to ask for it, so then you put your own money out to just cover the thing quick, so you want to get the test done properly, <sighs> and then you're in the negative, and then. You have to wait for them to pay you back, and it's this whole process. And yeah. sometimes, worst case scenario, they don't they don't pay you your rate or re reimburse you for the thing you just did. So, Yikes. never never go out of pocket is my general rule. No, it makes sense because you never know what's going to happen with the production um, beforehand. I have one of my friends did a bunch of effects work, put in a bunch of prep days, mm -hmm. um, time building, sculpting, creating, and then the feature didn't get funded. And she had to fight yeah. the producers for all of the prep work that she did um, because suddenly the production didn't have the money to pay. Yeah. Um, Shucks. I know. All right. So Dangerous, me, dangerous roads. So to, so to get back to the advice, I yeah. had my other thought that came back to okay, me. Okay, good. Um, I feel like it's very important mm -hmm. when living in Los Angeles as a freelancer to factor and this is something you talked about that you've been going through too in a way where you have lulls in your schedule where you're not you're just not booked and having side projects or like other stuff you're working toward on the side can be very helpful like for me I talked about it before where I will uh, like I produce my own short films just because my, my, my big dream goal is directing. So I'm like, sweet. 
I just want to make stuff so I can direct it because I'm normally script supervising. I want to be the decision maker. Let me just make some fun stuff on the side. And then that takes up a lot of time and energy too. It's like I got to write stuff. I've got to like connect with people and I've got to put stuff together. I got to edit it. Like that takes up a lot of time and that really quenches that, that creative thirst in the lulls in between productions. So understanding that that's a part of the process and a part of the, the life of a freelancer that kind of embracing embracing it and taking advantage of that time is something that I put a lot of energy into because I get I get quite squeamish if I've got nothing going on and uh, <laughs> definitely yeah. I think also too for people that love their job as much as we generally do when you're not working it is a super shock to the ego and mm. to just my overall happiness mm-hmm. like I'm happiest when I'm when I'm working, creating, collaborating, and when the work isn't flowing as it can, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to not take it personally and to like let it affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a video on my YouTube channel talking about, I think it's like 10 things to do during downtime because downtime is a very real thing that happens. Mm-hmm. This work will fluctuate. I feel like if you kind of go through like spells where like you don't have any days off and then like lulls where like there's nothing <laughs> in sight. <laughs> And it just kind of goes through the waves. And I'm for sure learning how to navigate it myself. But I think um, it's definitely a lot of work trying to figure out and budget Mm -hmm. and, like, make it make sense. Because when you're you're working, you aren't really spending money necessarily because you're being fed multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. You're working 12 hours, so you're not really going out or doing anything. You don't have time. (laughs) You don't have time. Yeah, you don't have time. And then on your off days, you're generally sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like, and trying to prep and then, you know, get yeah, back yeah, to yeah. it. So then when you, you're able to, I feel like, kind of get a little nest. But then, suddenly, you don't have work for a month, which has happened. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like figuring out how to manage all of that, which is something that I'm definitely still working on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because for me, one thing that I definitely understand and try to prep for, this is kind of like, almost a therapeutic experience for me too because I always kind of seek into this lull of I call it post project depression yeah where you kind of lose your sense of purpose in the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) because waking up with the objective of the of the day is a great feeling you're like I'm off to do the thing I love you're on set doing the thing you love once it's over and you don't have the objective of the day, you're like, like there's this weird sinking feeling that kind of comes over. Yeah. It's definitely, I, I experienced it and I just wrapped on a thing yesterday. So I'm expecting it to come in probably tomorrow since this is a productive thing right. we're doing today. Right. Yeah. When you catch up on sleep and then you're like, <laughs> oh wait, what? It's like, uh. Yeah. And I think one, one important thing, because we've, I feel like we've definitely talked about how much we love our jobs. Love it. <laughs> love it on this podcast, but also understanding that it's really hard. The hours are really long. There are definitely ups and downs in the day itself. There are tough situations. Some people are hard to collaborate with, but overall at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. something that we can't imagine. I love the challenge of all all of that. Like all of that, fighting all of that and still being consistently awesome across it is the objective yeah yeah totally because definitely there are some hard days 
um, hard projects even just with co collaborating <laughs> with people. But at the end of the day, like, no, it's true. It is true. <laughs> no, it's true for yeah. sure. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we can't imagine not doing without it. And I think that is what makes it so hard is like when you do have those lulls and you're not sure where money is coming in next and you need to figure out a way, like you were saying, doing those collaborative projects mm -hmm. to fill that void and that space um, because it's really hard. Yes. It's so hard. Also, Los Angeles is a really expensive city. And it's just, I know, got to wrap this up. <laughs> no, we, we, got, we, got, we got 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Okay. All right. So... I did. We have talked. We'll replug it at the end again. But you do keep mentioning your YouTube channel. We haven't oh, quite yeah. said where to find it yet. <laughs> we, yes. can, we can say it really quick, and then we'll recap it at the end again. But okay. where, where do we find these videos you've been these hinting amazing at? Amazing videos. No, they're not. <laughs> they're just videos that. Um, yeah, it's youtube.com slash makeup by Shannon Marie is the username. It's makeup by Shannon Marie on all socials. Mm -hmm. Marie is spelled M A R I E. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I feel like it's just what I try to on my YouTube channel uh, is just trying. It's basically like the conversations that we've been having now. It's like real life mm -hmm. talk about what it's actually like working in film at the level where I'm at now. And, and they're more bite-sized consumption. Yeah. They are. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you hear from people who have been in the industry for like 30 plus years and like are kicking butt doing what they do. But there's not a lot of people talking about like the struggles and the journey that it is like to get mm -hmm. there. So for a long time, I didn't produce makeup artist content because I was like, I'm not where I want to be in my career yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not, but I'm on the path. And I think yeah. it's, you know, important to have those conversations about, like we were talking about working for free and, and asking for kit fees and, and so many different things. So on my YouTube channel, I try to address um, some of mm -hmm. those topics. So speaking of struggle. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about a little bit more of the, the current climate. Okay. Of what early 2020 was like for you and then and then diving <laughs> and then and then covid covid life yes. and we, we can talk a little bit about covid sets we spent probably like an hour talking about covid sets last <laughs> you know time. what we needed to get that off of our chest for sure and that was definitely <laughs> i feel like i quoted our conversation to many other people that i talked to about mm -hmm. like you're saying okay. the current climate about about just your experiences working on non-union sets Basically, mm. because we had to redo it, I feel like we just needed to have those conversations. Right. We needed it. It was very therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little not on um, podcast, but, yeah. but but we what we didn't talk about then, and we'll talk about a little a little bit about that again. Yeah. But I did want to reframe the conversation a little bit more into the direct impact of of transitioning into COVID. Yeah. And then back out a little bit but like what was it like for you in the beginning like what were you on did you have did you have a were you on a project and then it got cut off because of covid or like what what situation were you in yeah so i was um in the middle of a feature we were supposed to do two back to back it was um 12 days each for each feature um and then we got through day eight so we mm -hmm. had four more days left to finish the first feature, and then we hadn't even started the second one. Um, and then we were just, we got an email 
the, the night. You were on, oh, okay, you weren't on set. Okay. But, I was on set, yeah. We had done eight days. Right, but then, you got the email when you're at home. Yes. Like, it wasn't like a, a hard, like, somebody walks onto production set. Right. And it's it like, like, everybody. Yeah. yeah, because we were non-union, our crew was smaller. So technically, at that point, it was like 50 and under. Like, they were, the, they were capping it at 50 people. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, because it was still early. We had no idea what anything was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you remind me, was it a was it like a week that we knew it was kind of a th- how how yeah. much time did we know it existed or was it maybe a thing that we we're just kind right. of waiting for? It's so crazy to just go back in time to that <laughs> mindset that we were in back then. You know what I mean, though. Like it is so crazy because. One, like we have kind of mentioned, is like when you're on a film and you're in a project, you're so just like hyper-focused on like what's happening in your world because you're spending so many hours a day. I mean, sometimes in Los Angeles, you'll be filming for 12 hours and then it'll take you an hour on top and an hour at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Mm -hmm. So you're having like a 14-hour plus day, not including a pre-call for makeup artists. It's a long time. So you basically are just like in this world. So not really in the bubble. Bubble, that's the word. Um, yeah, so the day before we got scrapped, the hairstylist was wearing a mask, and she was the only one on set wearing a mask. Face, a face cover? Yep, a face not, cover. Not like a shield. Not okay. a shield yet. Yeah, we hadn't even... We, we, didn't, even, we didn't know those were a thing we yet. We didn't even know those were a thing. Oh my gosh. This is such a bizarre conversation to have. And um, But I remember going that, driving home that night, I called my parents because I was like, I don't know if we should still be filming. But you're kind of in that weird position of like a couple crew members have already been replaced because they left because they weren't comfortable with it. And I was kind of like I, like, I don't know. But I'm like, I need to pick up a couple makeup products, but like stores are shutting down. Also, I don't want to risk exposure. I had no idea. And I was on the phone with my parents and I was like, they were like, well, what do you, you know, what is the rest of the production thinking? Like, what is everyone doing? Um, and then I hung up with them, got the email, and called them back. And I was like, all right, we're canceled. We are shut down. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy to think about that. Um, and then just the uncertainty of those those next few weeks of, of realizing that your job was never going to be the same. And it's never coming back. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It, I mean, it was crazy. And then also months later when we did start to come back then the reality of just knowing everything that we know and trying to gauge whether it's something that we wanted to do so the feature that i picked up that i was on when Mm -hmm. it got shut down we picked up and did reshoots in july Mm -hmm. we had four days left to film we turned it into eight days Mm -hmm. and at that point we were doing a lot of covid um, precautionary basically we never had two actors in the same room um, where they were both unmasked or unshielded shielded basically we would film one person's coverage while the other person was fully masked and we'd put a dot through the line through the frame yep and then like a script supervisor nightmare oh yeah assuming there was a script supervisor there was definitely not a script supervisor (laughs) (laughs) they minimized the crew to like as few people as possible um we had them come hair ready yeah it was 
totally different. But, all right, but you're jumping too far ahead now. Sorry. You're skipping like three months there. Of agonizing <laughs> depression. So you you stayed in LA for a little bit and then I did. and then went back home, or yep. that was yep. kind of your plan of attack that you felt I... out based on the extending goalpost or the yeah the yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. And then I had enough. I feel like now the productions are, you have to do so much more pre-production uh, work, especially in the beginning um, when we were first starting to go back in July. Mm. So they gave me like a month and a half notice. So I, I was in LA for um, a month and a half, and then I went back home to Texas for two months. Oh, okay, okay. And then I came back to LA yeah. and started filming. So for me, yeah, I was in, I was in my law okay. stage. I had wrapped script supervisor on a feature maybe i'd done like a short film in there somewhere and then i was locked in to be a script soup on another feature like for like mid mid march or something yeah maybe like the 23rd or i don't know when it it was but i was kind of waiting for that to to kind of come right but i was on that game show i talked about oh yeah so i covered i was covering for another friend as the third script super the third script supervisor assistant or whatever okay on that game show that was doing prep that was about to jump into the actual production wow um and that was a weird set to be on too because like it was actually super rainy that day as as a as a thing yeah it was rainy during march which was weird so yeah i remember that being a thing because i don't normally have the luxury of of shooting on on lots Mm. so i got to go to a cool lot somewhere mm-hmm. and parking was like i don't know where to park <laughs> like is this a good spot right and then i like get drenched all the way and then, whatever mm. either way it was a weird feeling on set because you kept hearing murmurs of like what's happening what's going on are we still are we people gonna, checking the news are we coming back tomorrow and, restaurants shut down yeah. and uh and, but for me, it was a one-day commitment. So I wasn't coming back to the next... I had some excuse. I told them they had somebody who couldn't come in the next day that we found out couldn't come in the next day. So they asked if I could come in again. Okay. And I'm like, I can't come back in. I forgot what my excuse was, but I had a good excuse. Okay. Regardless, they ended up shutting down... Well, you after... created the excuse because you didn't want to go? No, I already, I already, had, I already had predetermined... Ah. Got it. That I wasn't coming back for another day, even if like even if they had okay. invited okay. me back. You had things to do, people to yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> so, Didn't know that you were gonna need that job. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was it was. Um, I just remember the murmurs mm-hmm. and people were kind of trying to be safe about yeah. craft services. Okay. And then like picking up your lunch was a little bit of a different like staggered process that they had tried. Okay. Um, but it was kind of weird yeah and then uh of course like two days later (laughs) everything was halted right but it was it was weird being on set Mm -hmm. up until the very last moment yes so that was but okay the other part of that story Uh is i don't think we talked about this before but that feature that i was set to Mm -hmm. jump in on got pushed of course so i was like (laughs) Oh, I kept waiting for the email to come because they they had they were waiting forever to send the yeah. email. So I'm like, all right, are we like the the prep the big production meeting day was set for like a Wednesday the day before production was going to start. And I'm like, all right, this Wednesday is like tomorrow or something. Are we mm-hmm. doing this production meeting? Or are we not? 
Because for me, I hadn't signed any paperwork yet either. Yeah. Like I, I got, I was a part of like this white sheet that had everybody's contact info on there, so I was like confirmed as script supervisor that way. Mm. But I hadn't signed on yet. Okay. So I'm like, all right, just I need some sort of confirmation that I'm still on, like that I'm right. on the show. And then they eventually like pushed it, and I'm like, all right, well, I never got anything signed. Yeah. And it's getting pushed, so Whoa. that was kind of a bummer. And then as things were opening back up, and I'm waiting, I'm like, okay, the thing that gave me kind of hope <laughs> during COVID quarantine lockdown yeah. in LA was I'm like, at least I have this feature that I can come back to at the very right. end when it eventually gets back up and running. Right. Uh, I'm like, at least there's a gig waiting for me. And uh, <laughs> as things were reopening back up, I was keeping an eye out, like, uh, I checked with the AD. I'm like, hey, yo, here's a random email. I'm the script supervisor. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I didn't yeah. say that, but I, yeah. I was like, so any word on what's going on? And like, no, we haven't heard, heard anything. And then I'm on I'm on Facebook, and I see a, a selfie of another script supervisor saying, hey, day one of the movie that I was that oh I have my was set on. What? And I'm like, wait. What happened? I never found out. <gasps> I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't ask the producer. I didn't reach out. Okay. I did ask the script supervisor, though. I'm like, hey, cool. Like, I, I DM'd him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what that. What did they say? And they had, they were already covering for somebody else who couldn't, who, oh. who the date, because the thing kept getting pushed, so I'm sure, like, people were falling right. off. So, at some point, the, the, the trail is too long to go back to yeah. see, like, what happened with, with my situation, but that was a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shucks. Well, and I feel like uh, for a lot of commercials and things like that, they, they're bringing the crew down to as few people as possible. Mm -hmm. So I feel like script supervisors and makeup and hair, like everything has been cut. Um, now it's starting to slowly come back, luckily. Yeah. But, but I feel like for, for a minute there, when people were filming, they were yeah. skeleton crews. Um, I feel for like the indie features that like only had that budget to like make that happen at that certain time or like stories that needed to be told that had like mm -hmm. kid actors that are not going to look the same and like you know that you can't at that point it's like can you, can you even use that footage mm -hmm. or do you just scrap it and start again oh right right you know so i i guess a couple of thoughts actually on, on my experience there really yeah. quick um i was thinking about how it was probably you know you always try to reframe it, it was probably for the best because it was, it was early on. I do have a question for you when you post that video. <laughs> but I, 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 he, he posted a couple of photos from the first few days, too. He was like, hey, day two, day three. I'm like, chill, bro. Stop rubbing it in. <laughs> but I didn't like the positions they had him in, though. I'm like, he's super isolated from everybody else. Like, in his own room. I'm like, that's not really what I enjoy about the process of script supervisor yeah. anyway. I like being... In, in it with the director and the AD and really being that collaborative discussion of the shots and coverage and it felt like what they needed was somebody to be you know hard-lined into Video Village way over there in another room with their laptop just doing the basics of taking notes on, on the right. stuff not really being in that the full capacity of a script supervisor mm. so I'm like it sounds kind of miserable to me where you're just kind of like in this bathroom or like in this kind of storage closet or you know kind of thing but it is interesting how it has changed our jobs um 
I mean, even just with like face shields and masks mm -hmm. and, and like you were saying, trying to keep the separation. But I did have a question for you about sure. um, lockdown. How um, were you able to fulfill yourself creatively mm. during that time? Mm. Hmm. Early on, I, my roomie Hunter is, uh, he does camera work and AC work and stuff. Mm -hmm. So him and I would try to figure out something to shoot or like, hey, let's like try to, like, I guess I'll act <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was like a thing that kind of fell off pretty quick with it's hard to summon the energy to to do something at all yeah. creatively for me i guess what i did i don't even know what i did anymore but i know like didn't i was such a blur i was reading every day that helped wow um, that's cool and books? yeah books okay. books art like books. yeah cool. yeah that. variety um, so that was something that I had ta tasked myself with was everyday reading. Okay. Um, and then also it was, it's a semi-creative video game, but I was playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Fun. Uh, so that was kind of, I try to, I try to give myself tasks that would just burn, burn time. Yeah. Day yeah. Just to get through it. Oh my gosh. Because, yeah. oh, I did write a feature during that time oh. too. You know. <laughs> You know. That, that was a two-month process. That's great. So, that was with uh, my co-writer Jamie. Okay. Uh, What's we, it about? we we collaborated. I can't talk about okay. that it's secret. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but yeah, we collaborated That's just amazing. via via phone and and okay. kind of pumped that out. But I mean, it's phone, not Zoom. No, no. <laughs> Video lame. Okay. Lame. Phone was enough. Okay. But yeah, so writing, reading, cool. video games, and then uh, just zoning out. Yeah. Yeah, man. But no, I, I've, I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but I did give myself like a daily routine kind of schedule where okay. uh, the at a certain point, the gym in our complex opened up, mm. limiting to two people in the space at a time. Okay. So I'm like, all right. I haven't had a gym membership in like ever and like forever. So I'm like, I'm going to start in the gym every day. Yeah. I'm going to read every day. I'm going to play this video game every day. Um, I started picking up trash around the neighborhood. Okay. Um, so I was like my daily. Th oh, and then, yeah, I was reading on the roof and tanning at the same time. Cause we have like Solid. a, we have like a roof, we have a roof, like, <laughs> like hangout section. Okay. So I would, I would go up there, work on my tan and read at the same time. Yeah. So, and then that, that that would like burn half my day mm -hmm. and I just had to figure out what to do with the, the rest of my time. Okay. But the routine helped a lot. So what are your um, hopes and goals for this feature? For this feature? Yeah. You've got it written. That's like a huge part of it. It's scary. It's scary. <laughs> it's another one of those growth things, you know, where, where this one, because I... I've produced one feature so far, and that one was the super, as minimal as it gets kind of mentality to get that thing done. Yeah. So now I'm like, all right, sweet. I accomplished that. I want to level up and do something different with a bigger budget. 
So this is kind of written more for that. And okay. um, I don't know. I don't know. That one, that one's kind of a, I guess, I guess for maybe some writers that are listening, who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to learn on, on what to, on leveling up is a hard thing in a career because you know it's possible and you know you have to make new connections you know you have to continue challenging yourself and learning new things and just getting it done is a lot of hard work so the script is done and the challenge is like well I've never produced a bigger movie I've never worked with an IP like I wrote it with an IP in mind so I'm like all right sweet how do I get that company to agree to help me make this is a challenge that I want to do I want to practice with getting a cool proof of concept made for it, maybe attracting an actual person of talent, a face to be a part of it that believes in the story. And the because the cool thing about it that I will say is that I'm a fan being, being, that it is co-written. Um, Jamie brings in, she's a, a Korean American. Mm -hmm. So like I bring this element to this IP and like a lot of the, the theme and the, the theme and the, the tone and the dynamics and all that kind of stuff kind of comes from me. And then she adds a lot into like the characters. So it's got a Korean American lead, which I think is cool and different. And it's 1970s, which is, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, all right, sweet. Like it, there's there's enough different stuff in there that I feel is kind of helps it stand out that I'm hoping that it could attract somebody and it's kind of like, oh, that's different. I've never thought of it in that way before or whatever. Cool. But we have done, the the frustrating thing is we have submitted it to a couple of like workshops. Like we did, we submitted it to Sundance. We submitted it to this, uh, this Netflix um, call. Like there's this competition where they do like, I forget the name, but they're asking for a specific type of movie script, like free submissions, and ours fit like what they're looking for specifically. And we just okay. got we just heard back last week that they didn't make it past the first round. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, I didn't get into Sundance Labs, I didn't get into this, yeah, which you know it's a part of the process. Of course. So I'm like, all right, well, it turns out, it turns out, um, same old, same old. Yeah. You gotta gotta do it thyself. Yeah. In some way, so that's kind of it's it's more of a newer thing we learned about. So, back to the drawing board, yeah. Yeah, that's how but. that's how the game is played, though, man. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, you're telling me. Yeah. Um, but it sucks to get news like that, though. But I'm excited to see what you guys create with it. That's the. I mean, that's a frustrating thing about pursuing directing though too or yeah. or or just producing I don't is there's always a next step like okay it's hard enough to get funding for a movie it's hard mm -hmm. enough to put a team together to make the thing it's hard enough getting it out of post yeah it's hard enough just getting through that whole process in general and having a movie made that you can show off mm -hmm. and then you either have to find distribution for it or so even if you do find distribution you still have to go through the process of people denying you distribution and then <laughs> yeah and then once it's out it's like all right people still have to watch it you have to get eyeballs on it and you have to hear the feedback of people watching it 
So I haven't gotten Ooh. to the part of people watching it yet of this of this latest one, okay. but but it is it is difficult in a way having every step of the way like there are these challenges. So for sure, but that's the fun part too, right? Yay. The process. Yeah. Hey, as long as you are passionate about what you're doing <laughs> and you just keep keeping on, that's, yeah. that's how it works, man. Yep. And we are at our mark, but <laughs> so any any final makeup thoughts or man? Anything? I think we covered a bunch. All right, so I really do. let's just have you plug all your stuff. You got your YouTube, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got your IG. You've yeah. got your TikTok. Yeah, I love TikTok. All right, where do we find you? What's yeah, Twitter? It's, all of it know. is makeup by Shannon Marie. Okay. My website too. Website, all of my socials. Uh, TikTok is a lot of for people, everyday people wanting to learn how to do, mm -hmm. expand their makeup knowledge. Um, YouTube is more in-depth tutorials, but also a lot of makeup artistry stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then Instagram is a lot of like behind the scenes, like photos and portfolio stuff. Sweet. But yeah, my voice is pretty shot over here. So <laughs> <laughs> we will... guess we should wrap it up. Woo. Thank you for having me. Yes, this thanks fun. for being on. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.